specifically, I love you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Thoughts from the Movies. Hello. This little ad read today is brought to you by the man who I believe our entire movie watching foundation is based on. Robbins? Adam Sandler. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Located on the North Shore of Pittsburgh, Union Fitness is more than a traditional gym. It's a place where you can transform your body inside and out. Like how I'm a devil, but I have a good soul, and that guy had boobies on his head. With a variety of classes based around fitness, yoga, strength, Foo Fighters songs, and performance training. At Union Fitness, they believe that it is their duty to uphold the legacy of Sticks as a rock band. (laughs) They practice what they preach and they play Renegade every day. Union Fitness is a community... Kind of like the weird community of freaks that are in all my movies. <laughs> Go to unionfitness.com today and sign up for a console freakintation. Through Union, we can eat Popeye's fucking chicken. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to end with the Union Fitness is fucking awesome. Union Fitness <laughs> is fucking awesome. Uh, little Nikki reference for everybody out there. What a way to start the show. <laughs> I feel hot under the collar. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, because we're going to talk about some bad movies tonight. We're going to talk about some good movies tonight. We're going to talk a lot about Aaron Sorkin. Well, I love that. How can you not put Aaron Sorkin and Little Nicky in the same sentence? Deke, show them the list. All righty. So, because... Uh, should those be hidden? Uh, no, they're, it's okay. They look great. This is this is a surprise show for me tonight. You have prepped this whole show without yes. telling me what we're seeing. I even have prepped papers. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So I won't be here for two weeks, and um, that's good and bad, right? Because I miss audience. But then also, um, you're gonna have Zach and Austin with you, and also Derek from Two Beers Deep and Idiot Hour is going to join. And the Boondock Bangarang. And Boondock Sundays for your fantasy football and sports betting advice um wow that derailed me (laughs) you're you're not gonna be here i'm not gonna be here so you guys are gonna watch um a spooky halloween movie and then you're gonna watch um one of zach's picks so those are gonna be really good um but i've just been watching a lot lately and i've wanted to talk to you about a bunch of these things and figured why not just do it on the show as my like last show before i disappear for two weeks love that i love the surprise here but i, I have what... to get in yeah my spooky suggestions okay all oh, wood halloween theme yeah okay. yeah 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 nice. some like fun spooky and um the first one uh is the craft so derek if you go to movie poster bingo you got it buddy um and I'm slouching. I was just yeah, I suck. Anyway, um, yeah, that's better. Just put me off screen. That's where I belong. I don't think I'm familiar with the craft. Okay, so let me tell you about the forgotten movie of the 2000s. <laughs> oh boy, the craft was released months apart from Scream. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Okay. Now the cast has Vicky from The Water Boy. Oh. She showed me her boobs, and I like them, too. 
She's Don't, is she the headliner? She's like, the head she witch. Number one. She's the head oh witch. And you, then, um, Derek, <laughs> can you pull that up? The craft, the uh, the rest of the cast, because it's, I, it's like can't be anyone that you've heard of. No, it is. That's <laughs> really? the scary part. Look, uh, oh, where'd it go? No, you're good, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, mm. is this Nev Campbell? I guess. Skeet all rich. Skeet all rich. Nev Campbell. Christine Taylor. Mrs. Then there's ben another Stiller, one that's Bre- not Breckenmeyer. Jumping off the screen. Those are the bigger ones. No, there's one more big one too. I don't know who you're thinking of. Skeet Ulrich isn't everything. You just don't realize it. Oh, Christine Taylor, who's Ben Affleck yeah. or not Ben Affleck's Ben um Ben Stiller's wife. Ben yeah. Stiller's wife. Nev Campbell. Brecken Meyer from Rat Race and Road Trip and all those like teen movies twenty years ago with Amy Smart and all those people. Can what? you go back to the, like the original part of it, Derek? Like hit back once. Brenda Strong? I don't know who who you think. And then click on just the the Nev Campbell. I guess that's it. Feruza right. Balk is uh, Yeah, I don't know. Vicky I Valancourt. I thought that there was somebody else in there that was like it was crazy. Um but that's like I mean that's a decent cast at the time. Skeet is is very much on nine oh two one oh or not nine oh two one oh, um I forget which one which Dawson's Creek or whatever the fuck. Okay. Um he's he's like heartthrob from that, right? Right. Uh Nev Campbell's a big draw or uh, becoming a draw at this point. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, he is on the CW's Riverdale. That is true. Um but like and he was also in Scream. Um but like this movie is atrociously awesome. So a witch moves to town and um like joins the other witches that are already in town. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they all get these like super witch powers. They just go from like being able to make shit levitate to like summoning Satan like that. It is an awesome recommendation for a great bad movie. Okay. <laughs> who who directed it? Like who made it? Nobody. It's like nobody. It's fucking nobody. Nice. It, that's the best part of it is it's like it you know how like a lot of the times when we uh when we watch movies, right, and and the movie comes out that looks or sounds exactly like that movie. Yeah. This is what ha- like somebody heard that Scream was being developed by MTV. Yeah. Like, we got it. Don't worry. We, we got these four witches, and we're going to use Vicky Valancourt as the main witch. The director did Easy A, which was actually a really nice little movie. Oh, well, there you go. So they did do, they did something. A lot of TV here, it looks like. Yeah. No, New Girl. Mm-hmm. That Nancy Drew movie. Oh, the best show that ever made it. Wedding Band? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Turn the mic on. What's, what's Wedding Band? about a wedding band so wedding band is a really really shitty show that ran for one season or one uh-huh. episode really uh-huh. um and basically it was about the band uh that would go play weddings and the one singer would always fall in love with girls that songs were based off of so the one girl he was dating was virginia and she wore dress shoes to the gym oh, and all those types of things shit. and it's basically about a wedding band and the main character guess what can't find love himself but he goes to everyone else's wedding Worst show, best oh. show. That sounds like some terrible shit I would write. I feel like I'd watch that show. I mean, I'd like give it an episode at least or two I episodes. I mean, Big Bang Theory <laughs> made it through 13 seasons. I think we can probably give that show a shot. Um, Big Bang Theory, I never got into. We're going to talk a lot about Jim Parsons today as well. I watched two movies that star Jim Parsons. Oh, boy. Okay. I have some opinions on him that I'm interested to see what your thought is. So, anyway, yeah, sure. check out The Craft. Um, 
on I think you have to rent that one. I don't think it's on Netflix. Also, um Wow. Oh, Child's Play, the remake with Aubrey Plaza. Right. Um I you think You mentioned this in one of our shows too that you liked. It. I think that this is worth a watch. Now, I was raised on the classics, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and Child's Play. My dad's favorite, I actually think, was Child's Play because we got him a Chucky doll the one year for Christmas. Oh, boy. I, you knew my dad was scare fucking me. a weirdo. Um, if, you, if I was a kid getting my parent a Chucky doll, I'd scare the shit out of me. <laughs> but he, he loved those movies. Yeah. And so I watched, you know, Bride of Chucky, Chucky, or Child's Play 1, 2, you know, whatever. Um I felt that this did justice to the Chucky franchise because it's a new origin story and it's a it's a it's a take on Chucky mm-hmm. that is updated. But unlike some other reimaginings of classic movies that like the reboots like Ninja Turtles or something like that, I feel like this one nails what the authenticity and what made Chucky great was like the idea of this toy coming to life being like a smart aleck with a smart mouth and like the like you know idea that like a toy could kill people mm-hmm. ranking i love great bad movies um yo zombiever is incredible <laughs> uh new child's play was great modern take on the story i agree austin and i talked about this after i watched it um but i think it i think it it, it lends gravity and relevant uh, relevance to the old the old franchise Mm -hmm. while still being a good, like funny horror movie. Well, what was it about the old franchise that you love so much that you thought this captured? Like what's the essence of Chucky? The smart ass doll. Okay. And like the fact that like a doll, like, like all these things have to go wrong for a doll to be able to kill a a real human. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a doll, right? So like (laughs) Chucky's first kill like, this guy has to fall off the roof, break both legs, crawl into, like, an electrical, like, tang- entanglement so that he can slowly push the lawnmower to run him over. Yeah. Like, that's Chucky. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, There's that's... like, this weird final destination factor to it where it's like, this could not possibly happen. This could not happen. possibly happen. But it is happening. But there's a doll. Yeah. Like, that's what I love about Chucky. Um, and I think that that is captured in this movie really well. Um also, uh, Derek, can we go to the actors? Well, also, let me ask you this because I didn't see the new one. Yeah. The the original Chucky, he comes to life because of, like, some voodoo shit, yeah. right? Yeah, or he's electrocuted or something, yeah. What What is it in the new one that brings the doll to life? He teaches him because it's, it's a it's a active – it is alive. It's like Alexa but in a doll. Oh, well, that's just a terrible idea. So the doll can, like <laughs> – the doll Don't can ever communicate with, like, the TV, the yeah. microwave, like, all that kind of stuff, right? And you're supposed to, like, teach it to be a good person. Right. And through oh, no fault yeah. of the kid's own, accidentally teaches him to be a serial killer. Oops. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's Whoops. great. <laughs> I guess. It's that's great. Oh, man. It's like some iRobot shit. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun in that, in that idea, but also just, like, like he, he's watching a horror movie. He's actually watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one, okay. with his friends. And Chucky's, like, watching that. And, like, and, soaking it in. And... and soaking it in, and they're laughing at it because it's a bad horror movie. Okay. Just like you did with your friends when you were watching, like, Halloween or Friday the 13th, right? Okay. So, like, 
Chucky thinks that that's how he should entertain them. So he starts to try to kill the cat. Oh my goodness! Okay, it's fucking I mean, it, great, it's, man. It's justifiable. At it's least. awesome. Yeah, it's I I love it. I think it's interesting choice, but I mean, it works story wise. I think it's it's quite clever. Okay. Um. So Aubrey Plaza is the mom in it. Um. Pull her back up. I just want to look at her. Um. <laughs> so Aubrey uh, is the mom in it, which is really weird for me that somebody I'm very similar in age to and somebody that I watched grow up in the business is now playing the mom character. Yeah. I felt that same way when Mila Kunis had her first mom role. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. There are certain actors or actresses that are, it's like, you don't quite, because in Hollywood, you're so used to everyone playing down for their age, like trying to play younger. Right. And then there, it comes to a point um, with female actresses that you can start to play mom roles. Even if you're like, you know, mid to late 20s they can age you up a little bit if they have right. to so it's and they yeah don't it's really, kind of like weird transition they don't really age her up because they say that like she had her kid when she was 16 and like you know the dad's dead mm-hmm. and you know the whole nine yards okay um but the guy i want to talk about is brian tree henry i think i said brian that right. tyree henry thank you yeah. um it's by brian tree brian tree <laughs> um this guy yeah is making his way onto my Tarantino list of actors. Nice. Where, like, when I get my shot at a movie, I have, like, my locks that I want. Mm -hmm. He's in it now. Yeah. Best supporting actor role. Mm -hmm. He's fucking awesome. He's come on the scene in the last couple years and been doing a lot of different movies. Yes. Yeah, and this was the first time you saw him? First one you saw him in? Uh, No, actually, I've I've seen him in a lot of stuff. He's Paperboy in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. which is Child Gambino's... um, you know, yeah, breakout. Right. right. Yeah. Um, Great cast on that one. But every time I've seen him in something, I'm impressed. Uh, Derek's pulling it up here. Go back up. Yeah, he's in, he's in Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Um, These are all really great. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk, Barry Jenkins, Follow Up to Moonlight, Widows from Steve McQueen, uh, Hotel Artemis, which not a lot of people saw, but these are all really great small movies. Right. Oh, he was in Joker. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, he was the clerk at uh, behind the thing. I didn't Arkham. see Joker. Oh, well, that's one you got to put on the list right there. No, it's not. I know who my Joker is. You know what? Actually, I say that because of the movie itself, which is okay, but uh, I wasn't a big fan either, really. I mean, yeah, it's I'm the same I as you. I know who it's my like, Joker yeah, is. I got my Heath Ledger. I didn't need this movie. I didn't want it. Um, a lot of people saw it and loved it, so I think that's more what I, I think. I, I think, though, you and I – like the Dark Knight is in the intro for a reason, right? Yeah, that's that is a movie that we both remember when it came out. I famously saw it three times in twenty four hours. We watched it together. Mm-hmm. I waited for you to get off your shift so we could watch it together because I told you the movie's that fucking good and it still holds up. Yeah. All right, you can skip Joker with Joaquin. Right. Um, but but we're yeah, gonna so... talk about another Joaquin movie tonight, so okay. we can we can talk about our boy because I love Joaquin. Um, but I loved him in this movie he plays like the neighbor cop who's like trying to be nice to the kid because he realizes his mom's dating like this jerk and like he just comes across so sincerely um he's a sweetheart but he also can play a badass he can also play a douchebag like i mean he has a breath i think that would be useful if he continues to get roles Mm -hmm. that he can sink into Love like that. child's play, I don't think is something he can sink into. You know what I mean? Right. But like, that's a guy I want to see smashing an Oscar before the end of his career. Well, child's play is a scenario where 
you have a movie that is going to be made for a very small amount of money and you're not going to be able to afford big name stars and the quality of the material is probably it was okay okay yeah yeah so it's not a, exactly attracting top end talent so this is a great opportunity for people that are sort of like big tv actors or like b or c list celebrities to Which lead a movie i think they got two pretty good b actors yeah so in the, and it's the it's the type of thing where if the movie is a big success it propels them onto the A-list, right? And if it's not, it's not really a big deal because they're not super well-known to begin sure. with and you're not banking the movie on the stars. So this right. happens a lot with horror movies or like really original like concept small movies. You yeah. can take these types of actors and let them try and carry it and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really, I thought his performance was fucking awesome. Nice. And I, I wanted to highlight it because I really thought he was great. Love that. And Aubrey was Aubrey and she can do no wrong. So Was she Aubrey in the movie? No. Okay. Nope. She tries. I, she's kind of one-dimensional to me. She she tries to play like the mom character. She's like tries to be nice and like there's there's parts of it where like okay so like Chucky can record mm -hmm. like voice messages. Okay. And like uh, he plays back like the kid saying like I think the ki the the guy she's dating's name is Scott right and. Chucky plays back, Scott's an asshole. Scott's an asshole. Right? And keeps saying it. And then she laughs at it mm -hmm. instead of being, like, embarrassed. What's up? Is she really weird in this role? Because I feel like everything she's in, she's that weird, like, That's you know what I mean? That's what I mean. That's hard for is me to imagine her in this? Yeah. being something else. She's, she tries to play, and I don't, I don't say tries as in she did not accomplish it as an actor, as in that I didn't believe it because it's Aubrey, which is really weird. I'm trying to, like, process exactly what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. Like, I watched this because she was in it and didn't get what I wanted from her. But I still will see another movie for, for – you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it didn't bastardize her. Like, Project Power for Jamie Foxx, right? Like, we re agree would never right. bastardize his reputation. So she's not weird, and I think that bothered me. She tries to play a straight character that's just, like – you know, she's not a weird mom. She's just a mom that had a kid at a young age. And, mm -hmm. like, she works as a clerk in a toy store and, like, trying to deal with that kind of, you know, life. Sure. Okay. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, Derek. I, I just let the record show I wrote this down. When you said didn't get what I wanted from her, I did not make a sex joke. <laughs> <laughs> Clip that. Cool. cool. Uh <laughs> Gold star. Clip that. Can you clip from OBS? No, you have to go to Twitch. I got it. I will get it back. Yeah. D uh, normally, Justin just writes down timestamps for this show. Because um, he's an industry professional. That's actually a really – That's I like that a lot. Boom. Be, Love it. You want to be on Two Beers Deep? <laughs> <laughs> actually, him on Two Beers Deep would be kind of hilarious. He would get flustered very quickly and then just start going, I don't know, <laughs> just throwing his arms in the exactly air. Exactly what happens. Yes. Which is why Greg doesn't time. argue. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Um, okay, so that's Chucky. So that's Chucky. So then let's go on to um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Do you know what this movie is? Uh, I thought it was a TV show. No. I do not. I've heard of it, but I've not watched Where it. Where did I put that on my little list here? Thank you. Okay. Right there. <laughs> so this is a horror movie that stinks. It's smarter than it thinks it is. <laughs> starring uh, Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad and Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. Also starring Jesse Buckley from Fargo. 
I know Jesse Plemons. I don't know Jesse Buckley. Okay, so Jesse Buckley is Marge in the Fargo TV series. Nice. Okay. Okay. Um, it's written by um, – can you go back to the actors? Thanks. Uh, it's written by Charlie Kaufman. Do Charlie. you know that name? Everyone knows Charlie Kaufman's name. Okay. Yeah. Well, Charlie Kaufman is a shithead. Uh, as a writer or as a person? As a writer. That's not true at all. That's very true. Charlie Kaufman is an incredibly talented and accomplished writer. Charlie Kaufman... Okay, so this was originally a book. Okay. Okay. And, spoiler alert, but that's at the beginning of the show. The whole thing is that it's this guy on his deathbed imagining what his life would have been like if he had married. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. They don't tell you that till the end of it. In the book. Mm-hmm. It, it's this really weird, like, illusion where, like, they're jumping back and forth through time without giving any warning. It's just, like, they're having the same dinner and, like, uh, it'll cut to, like, Tony Collette. And then it'll cut away from her and cut back to her and sh- all of a sudden she's 80 when she was, like, 60 before that. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, that kind of, like, illusion. Um, I want to say it's Nolan-esque, but it's really not because it's not done well. Okay? Okay. So it's a lot of jumping around in time. You're never really quite sure what's going on. It's being played as a melodrama. Mm-hmm. So everything that should be raised by the actors, right, like this is a serious moment, isn't, right? They just play it flat, mm-hmm. okay? And then this smartass, Charlie Kaufman, doesn't explain the ending. I think this might have been one that Charlie directed as well as Yes. Well. Yeah, okay. Well, he's Fuck a writer. Him. He's a writer- First and a director, much much second. Um, the well, only other movie I know that he directed was called Anomalisa, and it was a stop motion movie, which is actually a very beautiful story. But I don't know live action. I can't remember what else he's directed. But um, but no, as a writer, I mean, you love Charlie Kaufman. I mean, he's done Eternal Sunshine. He yeah. did Adaptation and Being John Malkovich uh-huh, and all uh-huh, these great movies. Uh-huh, yeah. But maybe it was just this book. Maybe it was his directing as well in this one, or maybe this book was just tricky to adapt. The I'm book is sure. loved. It okay. is a, a, a beloved book because it's told from the woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. So the entire time you think that um, she's the main character and she's not. She's a figment of his imagination. Very fight clubby, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Chuck Pallant would have written this book, right? That's like the kind of tone that comes with this. Okay. Okay. So think very Chuck Pallant, like, you know, very serious, like mental health, like that kind of stuff, right? Right. That's right up Charlie Kaufman's alley. What are you talking about? And he about? blew it. Oh, did he blow the writer or did he blow the directing? The whole thing sucked. The whole thing couldn't have been that bad. The whole thing sucked. That seems hard to believe. I kept watching this movie, and Anastasia and I both watched it. Yeah. We were on the edge of the couch the entire time. We were not relaxed. We were uncomfortable the entire time. Okay. And we just kept watching, and we kept saying to each other, like, I hope they're going to explain to us what's going on at the end. And then the movie just ends. And we had to go Google what what the ending should have been or what the movie meant. That's not a good movie. That's a terrible fucking movie. Why is it on your spooky suggestions list? It's then? not. <laughs> yes, Derek. <laughs> Do you ever have to Google Jordan Peele movies to find out a lot of the uh, endings and reasonings? Because I do. So it, I don't know if that qualifies. If we're talking about movie. Get Out. And Us. And Us. I think that. Those are different because you can walk away from that movie with your own concept of what happened. This, you're just totally left in the dark. 
I'm shocked that you are so negative on this one. Right I now. well, cause I'm looking it up on Rotten Tomatoes, cause I I bet it's like not new. Cause I wonder, like, cause I'm like Charlie Kaufman, Eternal Special, like this is gonna be brilliant, and it was terrible. And I like both actors, but it was terrible. Okay, I'm thinking of ending things on Rotten Tomatoes is not listed. I mean, that's how bad it is. Not even listed. I mean, it's listed, but it doesn't have the score. There you go. That's how bad it is. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, thanks for not suggesting that movie. Well, I just (laughs) – I think it would be easy because it it looks – okay. So it's written by the guy that did Eternal Spotless Mind. The book is well-beloved like a Chuck Palant book, and it looks like a – who does Grand Budapest Hotel? Wes Anderson. It looks like a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Like the tone of it, that like the and I mean by tone, I mean the coloring and the the wide shots and the the way the actors are and like okay. I mean like on paper this should have been a home run, and it sucked. Okay, well, good to know. I All won't. Right. I won't watch it then. <laughs> um, can we talk about um, Jesse Plemons? Okay. There he is. Yeah. Do you think this guy stands a shot? At what? At becoming a Oscar-worthy actor. No. Well, he, no with a caveat. I think Jesse Plemons, and he's had a very long career so far. And a as bizarre like, career. He's had a great career as being like part of an awesome ensemble mm-hmm. in a lot of his yep. movies. He'll be like the seventh guy on the call sheet. Right. Uh, or he'll have some really small like bit part that he just kills or it's like really weird or something. Yep. I think Jesse Plemons is awesome in the roles that he um, has done so far and uh, of what people have asked of him. I, I don't see him being like an A-list actor, but I could certainly see him doing some small indie where he has a role that really gets noticed because it's sort of out there and off the radar a little bit. So he did um, – and I know you don't watch Black Mirror, but – he did the USS Callister episode, which was the first in season two or season three. Season three, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, was well-received. I'm sure you heard the buzz from that episode mm-hmm. was just over the top. Right. And he plays the Kirk, you know, Captain Kirk character. And, and uh, mm-hmm. it's all, like, Star Trek kind of based. And he plays, um, like, the captain of the ship. He is fucking great in that. And he's the only redeeming quality of this movie. Yes, Derek. I would like to call my shot. He will win an Oscar. Okay. And it will be for a movie where he portrays Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> That's it. it could be. It's very, yeah, he looks just like him. I never really thought about it. He does look just like him. And not even – that's like a very handsome picture of him. Like, if you see him, his normal self. Oh, he's, shit, uh, that's funny. He's definitely more in the Philip Seymour Oh, Hoffman. poor Philip. No, what? That's a good actor. How many? No, I. I mean, that's that is spot <laughs> the biopic on. of Philip Seymour. Hoffman. Which would probably be kind of an interesting biopic, it's honestly. Called, it's just called Phil. Phil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Phil. Everyone expects it to be like a Phil the Mickelson movie S-E-E biopic. S e e hyphen m o r e. Phil mm. Seymour. There you go, Phil Seymour. Man, you could. Uh, you should copyright that right now. Put the TMs <laughs> on it. So post it notes. There you go. Anyway, to answer your question, I think he's very talented in the bit roles and sort of the offbeat characters yeah. he's played. Yeah. He has a very unique and distinct look. Yes. So that's kind of going to probably put him, uh, limit him a little bit, you know, in terms of like leading man status. Yeah, but, but I mean, so like to Derek's point, Philip Seymour Hoffman looks exactly like him. And that did not slow his career down at sure. all. 
Right. He's, but he's also with the caveat. Philip Seymour Hoffman's probably one of yeah. the test, the best actors we've seen in the past thirty years. I'm surprised how young Jesse Plemons is. He's only thirty two. I thought he was yeah. like forty five. Yeah, like, he can so. play uh an older guy very well. Yeah, so like in ten years, like when he's like forty, forty one, he might right. be a real powerhouse actor. Right. Like he might develop into a I, Seymour I, Hoffman. I I really like him and everything I see him in, I always leave thinking like, Man, that guy can act. Yeah. So I I, I he's have real high hopes for him because he'll yes. be like in a John or Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp movie and he's like the tenth guy in it. But he's like in his one scene, he's really good. And he's I know, like he's just very charismatic. I know QT said he's done. QT could make that guy a stud. Maybe he'll put him in his tenth and final movie, Star Trek or whatever it ends up being. Nah, who knows? Um, okay, and then can we also talk about uh, Jesse Buckley? Okay. So she plays. She kind of starts as like this sweetheart character, right? Which is what she, she's Marge in Fargo. So that's, you know, she's the okay. sweetheart character. Um, and. Wow. I just read the chat and it totally disrupted me again. Um, okay. It's so, just me typing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she kind of plays that, that sweetheart character or whatever. Right. And I think that's great. I would like to see the Dirty Dancing reboot with her as baby. Uh, they're already doing a Dirty Dancing reboot. And I don't think, well, I don't think they've cast it yet. Lionsgate. Hollywood, Lionsgate, cast her. Because I think she has legs as a actor in that vein. I don't think she has legs in the, like, serious dramatic role. She's too cute. She's too bubbly. And I'd like to see her get some more roles that are directed that way mm -hmm. so that she can then swing back the other way. Because she has the acting chops to do it, but, like, I literally just don't think she's old enough to look that part. Does that make any sense? Am I making any sense? Uh, <laughs> I see Derek shaking his head no. out of the corner of my eye. You don't think she's she doesn't look old enough to be believable? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Like, I, I want her to, like, still play some fun roles. Like, I think she has she has good enough, like, comedy chops and, like, you know, she has good enough, like, read in a scene to deliver, like, a really, like, funny, witty, like, exactly like Baby is in, D in Dirty Dancing, mm -hmm. where when she has to deliver a serious scene, she nails it, right? But when she needs to be, like, cute and bubbly and fun, she nails that, too. Like, her character in this is so one-dimensional. Her character in Fargo is so, like, wants well, Marge. You know what I mean? Like, it's one-dimensional. So I'd like to see her get some work in that direction. Mm -hmm. Does this make any sense? Like, I really like her as an actress, but I feel like she's yeah, not being cast well. Yeah, you're saying she's just being typecast as sort of the same thing, and she has more of a range than what you've seen so far. And I don't even aren't... think it's that. I think she's being too – she's being built out in too far of a range, and you she can't get a hold of anything. Oh, interesting. She's trying too many different things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, like this, she's going out of her wheelhouse, and she should just. I would like to see her like nail a couple, like, not blockbusters, but like, good roles, mm -hmm. and then start to swing for the indie role. It may be just because she is a redhead, but the path you are talking about sounds very similar to Emma Watson. Or no, is it Emma Watson? Who's from EZA and from La La Land? Oh, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Stone. Thank you, thank mm -hmm. you. But the way that you're talking about she, because that's first in Superbad, 
and then a couple You're other smaller wrong. ones, and then she breaks and starts getting very big cinematic roles. So You're not wrong. It might I be think, a redhead. I think, you're, I think you're right in the sense that that is the path I want her to take, though, is a Emma Stone-esque. Because she's still young. She's got a great look. She sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Her voice is unique. When you hear her, it cuts, and you're like, oh, that's that. So, like, I think she has all the tools. I think she needs to try to hit a home run early, though. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And I think, like, the the breath in which she's attempting to play this early, I don't think, is, is favoring her. Gotcha. Well, actors, a lot of times, when they first start out, do get typecast, and they try to avoid that by doing, you know, different things and working right. different muscles and trying out different uh, – genres or different characters not only to explore different mindsets and different things like that but also to show people that you do have range so yeah. it's interesting that you're saying she's trying to show too much range too, too much. early yeah and actually uh this is a great transition to the next movie is uh the boys in the band um which is a 70s remake um and actually we're just going to jump right to the actors because i want to talk about jim parsons right off the drop go ahead and get rid of the handsome man. That's exactly what Jim Parsons has done. He played the same character on Big Bang Theory. Everybody thought he was just the Big Bang guy. Mm-hmm. And right now, Jim Parsons is having this incredible run of playing these incredibly diverse roles that I think he is smashing. Yeah, there was just an article in one of the trades about how he's been he did two really big villain asshole roles in this past year and crushed it on both of them. One in uh, Hollywood on Netflix where he plays an agent and is very, like, um, sort of predatorial. Uh, he's a homosexual, mm. but he's sort of, like, mm. he's this powerful Hollywood agent who preys on, like, these young men coming. Kevin Spacey. Dream. Yeah, sort of. Right. Yeah, and then the other one, I can't remember. It was something I hadn't seen. Kevin Spacey in real life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, that, um, that was kind of why I perked up. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so you're right in that he's been getting a lot of attention this past year for going outside of the – Big Bang character that he played types of roles. So in this one, all the boys, uh, the boys in the band is about, um, I'm just going to read my little quip. Uh, brilliant fucking movie. Uh, a group of gay men celebrate a friend's uh, birthday when an unannounced straight guest joins the chaos and then chaos ensues. Uh, a, gay, a great look at gay culture in the late 60s. Uh, the cast is led by a brilliant performance from, uh, from Jim Parsons and Zachary Quinto and Brian Hutchison. Um, so he's the host of the party. It's his friend is the straight guy who shows up that's not supposed to be there. Okay. They all get drunk. And Jim Parsons' character makes them call the one person they have always loved but were too afraid to tell. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, mm. but this is an actor's fucking movie. It's very um, similar to um, – What's the Tarantino movie with um, where they're all trapped for the through the winter storm? The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight, where it's it's all happens in one very small apartment, mm-hmm. right? It's all a lot of one shots. It's shot old school with wides and and dolly shots in to introduce characters. It's a okay. Justin. It's a badass movie. I loved this movie. Nice. Um, and Parsons is the centerpiece for it. He is the lead to it, mm-hmm. and. He plays a character that is so such a departure from the Big Bang guy, and I think is just. I think, five years from now, 
Jim Parsons as the Big Bang guy will be a funny footnote in his acting career. It's interesting. It's almost like um, what Brian Cranston did. Like he he turned away from Hal in Malcolm in the Middle to do Breaking Bad. I think he's better than Cranston. That's a, that's a stretch. I mean, Brian Cranston is an incredible actor. He's really good, dude. I'm not saying I'm not taking away from Jim Parsons. I don't I don't think he's shown enough to be considered better than Brian Cranston. Not in terms of longevity, nor in terms of breadth of work uh, that he's done. But with these newer roles, he could certainly be headed that way. If it's that much of a departure. It, and I mean, like when you see him, he still looks like the big bang character. That's, that's going to be a damning thing. He's going to have to work through. Mm-hmm. But if Jennifer Aniston could do it, I think Jim Parsons could do it. Right. Um, and I think that the fact that he has so much going for him as being like just this total, like, he felt like a chameleon in the two movies I watched him in. What was the other one? The other one was uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Oh, the Ted Bundy one? The Ted Bundy Gephron? movie. Oh, I haven't seen that one. So he plays a lawyer who's trying to convict Ted Bundy in that movie. Okay. And the characters are totally separate, um, and I think he just absolute mastermind performance in, in the boys in the band and a very good performance in ext- uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and wow. I wonder if um, Jim Parsons will get to a point though, where he could be a lead in those types of movies, you know? Cause I think right now as he transitions, yeah, it's all ensemble, film, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, you know, he could have a, a bigger part of an ensemble, but not necessarily, you know, I don't know if he's Jim Parsons is the one or two, you know, at the top of a movie poster type He's, of guy yet. At the top of a movie poster, no. But he and Zachary Quinto are the one-two mm-hmm. in this. Okay. And I think – I don't know what you think of Quinto, but I think a lot of people think very highly of Quinto. Zachary Quinto is a really interesting one because, I mean, outside of Star Trek where he plays Spock, I don't yeah. feel like he really gets the credit – that he deserves and i'll be you know honest i don't know a ton of his work like i don't watch nosferatu and like a lot of the tv stuff he does i haven't seen but um i do know that zachary quinto is a, like a talented dramatic actor i think he's not only that but i think he's a talented character actor mm-hmm. because the character he plays in this and if we could pull up zachary quinto now that would be great thank you um um, I believe he's a Pittsburgh boy too. He is a or Pittsburgh boy. Or he went to boy. Carnegie Mellon or something. Yep. Is he is he from Pittsburgh? Yep. Is that yep. what it is? Yep, yep. Nice. Both. Yeah. He is Carnegie Mellon and Pittsburgh. He's Love both. that. Um So he plays imagine if Jeff Goldblum came to a, a gay party. I'm sure it's happened many times. <laughs> That's the character he plays. Okay. He's just like very uh enigmatic and like, you know, very wants and like wears bizarre suits and has like a limp in his walk and like speaks in rhythms and poems and rhymes and like it is so good yeah his performance in this like excuse me when we're watching this anastasia's googling who's in the movie because like everybody you you recognize to see them but you don't know their names Mm -hmm. and zachary quinto's under so much makeup to look like the original actor that played this role that you have no idea it's quinto until there's like one shot where there's a a a side angle a profile of him and you're like oh shit that's zachary quinto (laughs) 
but you like okay. his he totally adapts his voice like i mean he plays totally dives into this character and is fucking brilliant and it's in a movie where there's no action so he can't hide mm-hmm. he has to be that character from start to finish he can't slip he can't you know anything his voice can't change and he just fucking nailed it too okay the two of them i thought uh it's funny because the characters are pinned against each other they're like we think that they're actually in love is kind of what we get by the end of it that those two characters have secretly loved each other and and are afraid to be together Mm -hmm. because they're also each other's favorite sparring partner sparring partner what do you mean like Like fighting or verbally sparring verbally sparring okay because um jim parsons character is kind of like the bratty of the two who like you know turns his nose up at things and then uh, Zachary Quinto's character is very reserved, thinks a lot, has a lot of deep thoughts, like thinks very highly of himself in, in a different way as like this really educated man kind of thing. Um, so like they are constantly throwing barbs back and forth at each other inside of the, the ring of actors going through their own like different emotions. Love that. Yeah. So it is an ensemble style. Piece oh yeah. Of, okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. It's ensemble, but, um, those two, I thought, shined. And it's an actor's movie. It's a great movie. It's on Netflix. Nice. Worth a watch. Boys in the band. Boys in the band. Um, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to get into extremely, extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile right after these messages. Let's dive right into sports. Because I have strong opinions on that. Which college team could beat a professional team in the same sport right now? Okay. There is not a single answer that is better than the LSU Tigers defeating the Cincinnati Bengals. Even if I know the pitch that's coming, every other part of me is still normal. That's why it's frustrating for me, Greg. It's like, it's like okay, if I know what something is coming, I know ahead of time, I still have to be able to do the action to get the result that I need. Okay, so they won three games. Yes. In 10 years with yes. three rebuilds. I don't lose at arguments. Especially right. about fast food. So, yeah. <laughs> you will never walk alone. Guess what? Now you will. Coronavirus. <laughs> I barely touch my girlfriend's cat. The most I'd be willing to do is, like, just kind of put my finger on its forehead and just, like... All right, ladies and gentlemen, with us is uh, Alex Kazor from Steelers Depot. We are live with Ryan Smith, professional cornhole player in the ACL. Ryan, what all franchises were you able to work with in the NHL? Uh, With Phoenix, uh, Carolina, and Detroit. So here is Moorhead's ranking. Moorhead is my cousin. He is the rank king. Top 10 extra Power Rangers. This is the top 10 emo songs of the 2000s. There's only one correct answer for number one. Why is F is for Family better than Futurama when Futurama is like Star think- Wars for potheads? Like I know. I'm so I think. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have one. We have one or two that are I'm mad so in the chat. Sorry. <laughs> You're welcome for that. All right, we're gonna get banned. Welcome back to Thoughts from the Movies. It's our potpourri show where I'm just going to throw a bunch of shit at you. I'm just surprised you knew the word potpourri. Like, that's just so, <laughs> so impressive. I have a, You've come I, such a long way. I have a confession. Go ahead. Tell him. It was 
horrifically spelled. Oh, baby. I can imagine. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I said, Josh, I'm pretty sure that's not it. He goes, no, no, no. I Googled it. <laughs> he Googled an old uh, Roman Catholic religion figure called Potpourri. <laughs> and uh, we had uh, we had to do That sounds things. right. Yeah. yeah. It added up. Got there in the end, though. <laughs> Nicely done. Now for more extremely complicated wordplay, why don't you tell us that title again? It's the longest title I've ever seen in my life. There are 47 letters in it. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Well, that makes me want to see it now. Yeah, right. What a great, what an attractive title. Okay, so this was Efron's big buzz. He's going to play Ted Bundy, Mm -hmm. okay? It's a period piece, obviously based around when Ted Bundy was being put on trial. Um... Look, the look of this movie is an A+. Mm-hmm. They do th- my favorite thing where they use real music to, you know, transition, montages, that kind of stuff, which I love. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm obsessed with that period in time, the, the 70s, and I love Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, if this was a single episode or a season of Mindhunter, this would have been fucking awesome. But they attempted to humanize Ted Bundy, and that is a tall task. I did not see this one. Uh, the like going into it, there was a lot of buzz around it, and then it kind of fell flat once it was released. I understand that because on paper it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's because the Ted Bundy trial in real life was a circus show. It was the first time cameras were ever allowed in a courtroom, and Ted Bundy was a very charismatic, brilliant man who was able to knew enough law to represent himself mm-hmm. and made a mockery of the courtroom. And what was even crazier is that the judge knew it and liked it and let it happen. Wow. And Ted Bundy, you know, if the evidence wasn't so damning against him, probably would have gotten off. Yeah, it's a really interesting case uh, when you look at serial killers because he was so great at manipulation and he was such a charming individual. Obviously, this is from, you know, what I've read because he's been dead for a long time. But – so he was just such a charismatic person that he was able to manipulate all these people and, and do all these insanely sadistic, disgusting, grotesque things with and to them uh, even after they were dead sometimes. So it's just – it's such a crazy juxtaposition of this very uh, handsome, charming guy who's also this disturbed, psychotic, evil human right. being. Right. Uh, and so I think Efron being cast was brilliant. Well, I think this is where he, this is one of the ones where he was really first reaching dramatically for a role and yeah. not just playing, you know, like the singing and dancing stuff for like the party boy of right? Baywatch and all that shit. And I think he killed it. Really? And here's here's where I think this movie fell flat. Yeah. I think he did such a great job that the movie isn't good until he has other great actors to play with. Hmm. So, most of the movie is based with Ted like Outside of jail, like, this before he's even known as a killer, right? Like, some people have gone missing, and you see him starting this relationship with this woman, okay? Mm-hmm. And that is played by Lindsay... Lily Collins. Or Lily Collins, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and Lily, to her her own, no fault of her own, just gets out-acted and outshined by Efron. Yeah, Lily Collins is kind of a weird case. I mean, she's someone that's been around for a long time in Hollywood, as young as she is, and she's never quite stuck. She's been in a lot of big movies. She's been with a lot of uh, opposed 
or she's been opposite a lot of very big actors, worked with a lot of big filmmakers, and yeah. she's just never really caught on as the next like it girl. Okay, so then this th- my synopsis is spot on with this because she doesn't give him anything to play with. Mm-hmm. There's no connection. There's nothing on screen. Like she's supposed to be head over heels in love with this guy, and like it just feels like he's like every time he's on screen, you're like locked on him, mm-hmm. and then when she's supposed to be in that magnetism, you don't believe it. Like he does a great job attracting me as the viewer mm-hmm. to him, but she's not attracted to him on screen. Like the way that she reacts to him, like, like written, you, are yes, you saying is. that they don't have any chemistry as actors? No chemistry. And no, like, I don't even believe that she's in love with him. Like after he breaks her heart, like she just starts drinking and it, it feels very like blah. Like every every scene she's in without Efron, you're just like, I want to fast forward through this. Mm-hmm. And she's such a big part of the movie that like I think that's why it falls flat. Because once they get to the trial, Jim Parsons is the actor or is the lawyer trying to con- uh, convict him, mm-hmm. and John Malkovich is is the judge. Oh, that's interesting. So he has some, he's got some guys to play with then, and he that like the courtroom scenes are awesome. I mm-hmm. wish the whole movie was the courtroom movie. Yeah, because it would have been so much better. And that man right there, I fucking love him. I right. know he only plays <laughs> one character, but he nails that character. He does play John Malkovich a lot. <laughs> he plays John Malkovich so, so well. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, good to know then. Also, I think that movie's supposed to be pretty long, isn't it? I also haven't it felt like this movie was stretched out. Like I would have cut every scene with Lily in it. No offense to Lily. I would have cut every scene with her in it after Efron goes to jail. After Ted Bundy That's goes a bummer. I feel bad for Lily Collins. I like I, her. I don't think she's a terrible actress. No. But it's just, I, I don't know what it is that none of the things that she is in really take off. She was in a Snow White movie with Julia Roberts called Mirror Mirror, which was a big flop. She was in Abduction, which shot in Pittsburgh with Taylor Lautner, who is like the worst oh. actor of all time. I, I hated mean, when they shot that movie because they closed the Roberto Clemente Bridge forever. Yeah, they were doing the whole thing at PNC Park for yeah, like weeks. It took yeah. forever. Mortal Instruments was a big bomb, big boss. Her best thing was a 30 Seconds to Mars video music video. And I don't even know what else she was in, but I love 30 Seconds to Mars music videos. I'm just running that up. Yeah. Oh, she's she also was in, she in, was Oak-ja. in Oakja. Your favorite I movie? totally forgot she's in Oakja. <laughs> she is, yeah. There you go. But, uh, yeah, so she unfortunately just hasn't taken off, and I, I'm yeah. sorry that he had to go up against her in this one. Um, Jim Parsons was again amazing in this movie. Um, he had very little role in this movie. Once they get to the courtroom, it's mostly Efron and Malkovich going back and forth. But Parsons is a nice third piece to that. Um, but man, I think Zach. I think, and I've I, I talked about this a little bit on the Disney Channel one, and I think we've talked about it on the TV to film thing. I think Zach Efron will be the next. Tom Hanks level actor. I really do. I think he's got the chops. I think he's got the look. And I think that he is, and this is really weird, a normal enough human <laughs> to be able to not fuck it up. Hmm. I It's such an interesting case. It's such an interesting case with Zac Efron because for so many years, he was the teen heartthrob. Yes. And then he transitioned to the college party boy yep. for like a decade. Yep. And now he's sort of emerging from that in his 30s. 
and finding these deeper roles, a little bit more mature roles or more well-rounded roles yeah. where he, as an actor, has more dimension to his characters, um, whether it's dramatic or whether it's just something besides being like douchey frat guy, right? Yeah. And um, so it's really interesting to see the choices he's making. Um, do you watch his uh, Netflix travel show too? No, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like him traveling around the world yeah. and exploring, like, different cultures and different... Because when I heard the, show, heard the show existed, I was like, I don't need Zac Efron telling me about how beautiful the world is I can't afford to go see. <laughs> like, right. that's really how I felt. Yeah, exactly. And then I heard um, I heard him on Pardon My Take, actually, which mm-hmm. is a Barstool uh, podcast, um, promoting the show. And the way he interacted with that crew, I was just blown away by. And it made me go back and re-examine what I thought of Zac Afron and I've been pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something I remember Seth Rogen saying on when the first neighbors came out was yes. like, he was, you know, fully going into it, prepared to hate Zac Efron and just came out of it thinking he was such a sweetheart. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, it's, it is, but it's interesting cause he's such like a pretty face type of guy, you know, like yep. he's just so chiseled and like every aspect of him is like, you know, the ideal for most people, you know? And so it's, a lot of those everyman type actors like the Tom Hankses or whoever you mentioned, like they're like Zac Efron is clearly not an everyman, you know, because he's, you know, not a Seth Rogen. He's not a pot bellied stoner. He's not like a generic looking dude with a goofy face or goofy hair or anything like that. You know, he's above an everyman. So does he have dramatic chops? I think more so than a lot of people think, do, is he going to become an A-list mainstream, like heavyweight type of actor? I I don't know. I feel like he's so deeply rooted in so many different personas. Uh, it's hard to see him breaking away from being Zac Efron. You I have know, an industry question for you. Yep. Are people of and I wouldn't call him like I guess a child actor is not the correct term. He is terminology. a child actor. Would you, would, yep. So he mm-hmm. is much more popular from an influencer standpoint. I mm-hmm. believe than his movie career, if that makes sense. Do Interesting. Those, do those types of people get credit in Hollywood? And you know what I mean by that. That's a really actually. Like he's not an A-lister by movies, right. but influencer-wise, he. That's might a be. really interesting question, and the answer is a wholehearted yes, especially in the last few years, because now movies, it's such a tricky thing. So so many middle middle budget movies uh, and like, you know, mid budget dramas and things like that have been kicked out of theaters and are going to streaming because now all you're doing is blockbusters or indies. There's not really an in-between. Right. And so because movie movies, uh, studios are being more selective, they're taking money away from their marketing and they're relying on their stars to do marketing for them, which is, you know, you look at Kevin Hart's and Dwayne Johnson's and stuff who have hundreds of millions of followers. So they put out a they can market their movie to 100 million people for free instead of Universal spending $50 million on a marketing spend, right? And I remember being at Amblin, and when we had movies that we acquired and were casting, at the back of every casting packet, like, you know, uh, an actor's uh, you know, headshots and credits and things like that, it would also be a social media breakdown of exactly how many followers they had across all their different platforms. And that's built into actors' contracts now, like shouting out a movie a certain number of times on this platform or doing a number of posts about this. So the answer is yes. I mean, the the people who have more followers and more influence are certainly, that's certainly something that's taken into consideration. And even now more so with like TikTok and these types of things, those straight up influencers 
are getting smaller roles in like getting into Hollywood and certain things just because of the number of followers they have. So you'll have like you had Vine stars that would have bit parts in movies. You would you'll have a TikTok influencer now be represented by major talent agencies to put them into other areas and build that yeah. brand. David so. Dobrik just had a post with Borat today. Yeah, for what's the new uh, Borat movie. What's uh, Jimmy? Jimmy Tatro. Yes, thank you. Very much so. Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, when it comes to the, would somebody get a role because of their social media following if it was an even playing? Like, if it was actor A, actor B, and they were very close, mm-hmm. would a social media following persuade them to go one way or another, do you think? It certainly could. I mean, you know, you have to think of the studios and financiers think very heavily about budgets and about money. If And if they can get all this marketing in through these people's platforms, rather than spending the money to do billboards and TV ads and things like that, broad media then yes, they will definitely take that into consideration. And like these influencers aren't going to get big, heavy roles, but they'll certainly, you know, like it's it's like when you see Taylor Swift get a role in Cats or get a role in whatever. It's like it's not because Taylor Swift is a great actress. It's because she has a billion people around the world that want to see consume you know, her media. Exactly. Yes. So it's very much a relevant thing, especially in today's world. Great question. Great question. Thank you. I unmuted and then muted. And then unmuted. <laughs> I had it muted because I was talking, and then I was like, I can't remember. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Uh, okay movie. Love Defron in it. Let's go to the next one. All right, Justin. I'm really curious as to what this is doing in here because you said every time you went to watch this movie, your heart broke looking at this movie poster, and you couldn't do it. That was, like, that was like a week or two ago. Okay, so... That was on our movie poster show. I think that was two weeks ago. Okay, so it was on the movie poster show two weeks ago, and I knew that this would be the potpourri episode. We'd already agreed on it. So I was like, I'm going to go watch her. Like, I was like, fuck this. I'm going to watch it because I want to talk about it. Did you watch it? When Joaquin Phoenix plays different... Asked for his Siri thing to say, and he says, different melancholy song. I paused the movie and said out loud to no one. Yeah. Whoo, I don't think I'm ready for this. This is going to be two hours of depression. <laughs> oh, man. Did you? So you quit? No, I watched it. Oh, that's awesome. I watched it. I, did you like it? All right. I have some thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts. I went, oh, shit. Chris Pratt's in this movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> right? That was, yeah, that was yeah. like in his phase of doing like a small character part in Moneyball yes. and this. Because then and, I watched uh, Moneyball. I yeah. watched Moneyball before this one. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, Chris Pratt's in this no movie? No clue he was in there till I rewatched it. Right. Yeah. No clue. Yeah. And then I watched her and I'm like, oh shit, Chris yeah. Pratt again. Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, he had a good, nice little run there. Yeah. Like really uh, good filmmaker movies. but It's a good way to sucker yeah. me into anything is Chris okay. Pratt. It wasn't that depressing of a movie, right? No, it's pretty fucking depressing, it's, dude. Nah, it's not depressing. Dude, it's, it's pretty it's depressing. It's beautiful. It's a love story. It's sad. It's sad, but you it's know, sad. it's not depressing necessarily. It's, it's really it's sad, sad at the end, but like it builds up to it. No, it's very, it's, okay. No, well, go ahead sad. with your thoughts. I, w- I want to hear more of your it, thoughts. If Phones had Scarlett Johansson's voice, I would be in love with Phones. All right. How could you not, right? I wonder if they do that now with like Alexa. You know, they have like the Samuel if, Jackson if, things. If, and if like, Aubrey had a, if Aubrey was a Siri, Josh, <laughs> that's how much Josh's. money would you pay for that phone? I married it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when Steve Jobs. Very famously in the movie, uh, the good one I like was Seth Rogen in it. Which one's that one? Not Jobs? Just Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Okay. Yeah. So very famously, remember in that movie, he's saying, the computer has to talk back to me. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the Lisa. That's what this movie, like that's how Steve Jobs saw his computer is this movie. You think? I'm I'm telling you. Yeah. From like everything I understand about Steve Jobs, reading the biographies, working at Apple, that's what he, like, that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. 
That's what he wanted. CD-ROMs would be shaped different if that's what he wanted. If he wanted you to have sex with technology, Josh. Oh, Jesus Christ. Dude. Well, with a CD-ROM, it's got that little <laughs> thing in the middle. You had some such people. a great question and then just took the fucking show right off the some, clip. Some people could, I guess, technically. It wouldn't feel good. Oh, <laughs> thoughts from the bench. <laughs> just lube it up and let's see what happens. I'm writing down sex, sex tech with Derek. Yeah, CD-ROM. It stands for romance. CD-ROMANCE. CD-ROMANCE. Okay, so anyway, that's that's what Steve Jobs wanted, which was really, like, to me, as the Apple guy in this, I was like, I get it now. Okay. Um, This is the weirdest porno couple's Instagram feed I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And then it, I was like, wait, is this whole movie an excuse for polygamy? <laughs> Not technically. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Right? Yeah. So those are my, my funny quips about it. All right. Let's talk about the movie. Yes. Um, did you – hold on. The first thing that I want to mention, yeah. did you like the soundtrack, Arcade Fire? I mean, I am a indie music lover at heart. Mm-hmm. So the second I heard that tone that is so distinct with them, mm-hmm. that guitar tone, I was like, let's go. Like okay. I was like, yes. Yeah. And – Melancholy is how you would describe RK Fire, I think. So yeah, I yeah. Mean, on occasion, so, overall, sure. And this yeah. whole movie is that. It's interesting because it is, but it isn't. You know, like Theodore Twombly I, is a very oh he's the okay. like the embodiment of melancholy, right? But when he meets Samantha, his world opens up. Samantha's becomes, a computer, Justin. Yeah, but to this incredibly lonely guy, she's not. You know, I mean, it's this voice that's real. It's like they, it's it's so real to him. You know. It's someone that he can connect to finally, that he understands and that understands him. You never played Halo. Did yes. You? Are you talking about Cortana? Cortana was more than a chip. Cortana was more than a map. Cortana was the person that got That's me through true. so much more. When than she my gets life. stuck on the ship, yes. I was concerned. It wasn't just, I got to go back and get go. that microchip. It was like, I got to go back and get Cortana. I got to go get Cortana. Um,. Yeah, I. I mean, this it's not any it's not any different to me as if you if there was a real person just on the other end of a phone this whole time. Like you, you forget that she's not real. No, I know Scarlett that she's Johansson, not real the entire time. Scarlett Johansson, and it's disturbing. The emotion in her voice. I mean, it's just so incredibly realistic. Justin, I. 100% agree that Scarlett Johansson destroys this role and you said that they did not want to nominate her for an Oscar because she doesn't appear on on screen right Correct. that is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard Re- well not to the academy you well have to be wouldn't physically... it be harder is, is it, it is harder like not in a weird way but I mean if you talk about you know Hamill's voice acting and the Joker and great voice actors right. in the generation I would say that that is maybe not harder to portray because the face has a story to tell itself but for her in this situation, that would be hard for me. I it, guess is something. Derek, mm-hmm. it's so hard that they had to recast the voice. They they cut the movie; it wasn't landing, and then they went back and redid the whole movie with ScarJo, mm-hmm. and that's when it landed. Well, imagine being the first person. Oh right, you oh. just feel like shit. <laughs> right, and they actually like they filmed the whole movie with Joaquin Phoenix doing his lines with this other this other person, Samantha Morrison, I believe, and then it just wasn't there. It wasn't giving them what they wanted, so. Scarjo redubbed all her lines for it, but but yeah, I mean, I see the argument of uh, not being nominated because you're not physically acting per se, and you're not being seen. The Academy is old white dudes. Well, this isn't. This was not only the Academy. This was all like the major film festivals wanted to. I think actually in Venice, she might have been nominated or won 
the best actor award if i remember that was a long time ago but um in the venice film festival which is a big film that festival is a big one but um but anyway i know it's like i don't even remember that she's in ai because it's just so realistic she's so good and it? her and joaquin it just feels so and w- right i mean so in in professional wrestling one of the biggest compliments you can give somebody is say they could have a match with a broomstick right because wrestling is is all about acrobatics with another person right being able to throw and catch each other right Mm -hmm. so to be able to what's up derek so scarlett johansson won the best depiction of nudity sexuality or seduction for her role in her from the alliance of women film journalists okay okay a win's a win let's go (laughs) a win's a win's a win's a win Go down to Rome Film Festival. She also got Best Comedy Supporting Actress, which I thought was interesting, from the American Comedy Awards. Uh, I mean, she is funny in it. Nickelodeon. Okie dokie. Oh, no, I don't. Wow. Why were kids watching that movie? Best Actress in she Rome. She won yeah. Best Actress at the Rome Film Festival. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So there was some recognition. She did get from some nod. Like, you know, higher yeah. scale. How do they define festivals? between actress? And then down here, you can see for the St. Louis Film Critics Association, she won Supporting Actress. Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's a tricky one. I mean it's there's not really any specific rules about, you know, like screen time or anything. It's just sort of I don't know honestly how they do it. It's just it just comes down to the movie itself and who's the lead and who's not, you know, like who supports whom. You know, cuz there can be lead actors or actresses that have 8 or 9 minutes of screen time and it's just about, you know, the character itself. Wasn't it um uh, Sounds of the Lambs. He only had eight or nine minutes of yeah. screen time. Yeah, like twelve was, minutes, fifteen yeah. minutes, yes. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, very small amount. So there's not real. There's not like actual le- delineation. And you can actually. It's so fluid that if you are an actor and you have like two movies coming out in award season and you are up for like best, you know, like you would be nominated for best actor in both of them, you can you can go and campaign for best supporting actor in one of them to give yourself, you know, a better chance, like in two different categories. So it's very fluid, the, the how they determine best lead versus best supporting. Yeah, and there's not sure. real clear rules on it. I would say in this movie, if you take the actor-actress title away from it, she is the supporting actor to Joaquin. So I, they both have such equal parts. I they're co leads. Okay. I mean, Amy Adams is a supporting actress. Yes, for sure. For sure. But this is a two hander. So back to the pro wrestling thing. Okay. Right. So it's all about a dance between two people. Pro mm-hmm. wrestling. So to say that you could have a match with a broomstick essentially means that you can carry it on your own. Right. That you could make a broomstick look good. Okay. When a broomstick can't even stand up on its own. Right. Joaquin Phoenix could have a match with a broomstick. I agree. He's an incredibly talented actor. Holy shit! Did he fucking kill this movie? And you know, and it's great because he's such—he's an actor who does so many very extreme roles. Whether oh, of he goes, whether Always. it's just going so deep into his characters, or the characters themselves are very extreme physically or mentally. Or he's Daniel Day Lewis, but I don't hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you hate Daniel Day Lewis. I don't know why you do but, either, um, but I just do. Yeah, but in, he's incredibly talented, and this is such a different role. It's such a reserved. Mm-hmm role and Mm -hmm. such a quiet introspective role for him and that's why it's so it's so heartbreaking in a way because he's such an introverted character and he he's very alone and then it becomes that much more of a beautiful story when he meets this person and he grows to love her and connect with her and he finds someone to share his life with so he thinks and then it all comes crashing down at the end you know when reality strikes again 
Yes. It's the second time this has happened to this man. Right. It happened in real life with, right. you know, or to the real character with Rooney Mara's character in the movie. And then, you know, it's like everyone knows what a heartbreaking breakup is like. And then you go through that period of feeling alone, like you're never going to find anyone. And then all of a sudden you meet someone new. And that's exactly what this movie is. I mean, I, I don't know how you don't like it. When you're saying all these nice things about no, it. No, no, no. I loved the movie. Oh, I thought you said you didn't like it. But you, mm-hmm. you said it's not sad. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, good sir, it is terribly sad. I don't think it's sad until the very end. No, it's sad the whole time. Because you know she's leaving. No. You know she's leaving. No, you don't. The whole time maybe you're you like, do. this bitch is going to leave again. <laughs> maybe you do. I, I was like, ah, maybe they'll be happy together. No, dude, it's yeah, incredibly sad. Like, that was the last movie I watched that day sad. Like, yeah. I was on a roll. I watched... um. Extremely evil, shockingly vile. I watched Moneyball, and then I watched that, and I was like, I don't want to watch any more movies today. Yeah. I feel like this is a very gentle movie, though, to be honest with you. Like it, the, the I warmth think of the, it, the, the gentle music, the look of it all. I mean, that's the part that kills you, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's the part that it, like, it lulls you into this false sense of security, mm-hmm. and then it's just like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you know uh, yeah, the whole time, but you know that's coming. I don't think about that. Like when it's I'm watching like a movie, I'm know, not like, "Oh, they're not gonna end up." Together. You know that Michael Myers is gonna kill the lady at the end, right? I see. I don't watch movies like that. Oh, see, that's how it, I but wait a second. I watch movies all the time where I'm like, "This isn't gonna <laughs> work on. out." Coming from this the is guy, gonna fuck we up. We have had this conversation many times where I ask you if you think about things like that in the future. Like, do you ever just like think about? you know, where we've come and like where we're going, all these things. And in you're real always, you're life, always no. Like, in real life, you're you're so like, <laughs> I only think about the moment. I only focus on the movement. Like even on my wedding day, I don't even realize that it's like my wedding day. I'm just enjoying it. Justin, and now you, here we are in her. You're like, I just know that at the end, it's not going to work out. So do, you, like, <laughs> do you understand the, um, the stakes that are at risk if I think about my own life? <laughs> There's so much more to gamble on there that could negatively affect me forever. Whereas like That's this, fair. I can just be like, "Sorry, Joaquin, I know you're about to get fucked over." Do you do this with every movie? Oh yeah, I did. Do you do that, Derek? No, I just enjoy the movie. I'm just watching yeah. it. Oh, Wherever yeah. it goes, I it just, goes. Uh, yeah. I I do. I have that. Just say I knew what was gonna happen in the Titanic, and I still watched it. Exactly. Ship was gonna sink. It's, yeah. How I it have gets there. I have that mentality when it, we're talking about um, cheesy effects or bad acting, where I'm just like, "This is part of the movie. This mm-hmm. is what we're dealing with. This is the." This is what we're set in, right? So when we watched The Evil Dead, and it was terrible acting, cheesy effects, Mm -hmm. I'm like, nope, that's just the world we're in. But the entire time I'm like, I can't wait for that bitch to get trapped in the basement. (laughs) So you do like this movie? I love this movie. I will say that Samantha is is the AI name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Only woman ever to not complain you're on your phone too much. (laughs) Well, she's the one on the phone. You're on the phone with her. (laughs) But... uh... (laughs) <laughs> this is the best worst episode of thoughts from the movies ever oh like look ever at that. i'm all throw, about oh. how you throw that up there she's beautiful yeah. and she's i'm okay so you know how i have my staple right like my tarantino cast we talk about this all the time right, right? tom hardy's number one always killian murphy's in the mix at all times you know mm-hmm. she is stapled on now if they're like, you're going to make a movie, cast the first person you want off the drop, male, female, I'm taking ScarJo from the drop. Yeah, love that. 
I mean, I think this this past couple years with the stuff that she's done outside of Marvel, mm-hmm. she's just shown such an incredible, talented range. I mean, she was always definitely on that periphery. Her yeah. This movie, Her, came out in 2013. I mean, she was in Lost in Translation, and she's been in things outside of Marvel over the years, but particularly with uh, the one-two punch last year of Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story, you know, uh, I mean, she's really, in the last couple years, done things outside of the action genre. You know, like Ghost in the Shell and Lucy were movies that weren't um, weren't Marvel, but were still in Amazing the action world. Amazing in Sing, by the way, too, which I, I'm not a big animated normally, but yeah. Sing was great, and I thought she was good. Just yeah. Throw that. yeah, in the Jungle Book, she was the voice of the snake, Ka, you know. Uh, so Caesar. Mm-hmm. That's what – she should have won the Seduction Award for her being Ka in the Jungle Book. <laughs> Ka's supposed to be scary. I wanted to have sex with a porcupine after Sing. So yeah, we can yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, a lot yeah, of movies yeah. here. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, Scarlett Johansson, incredibly talented. This is we, – we always talk about that top 100 list, right, the AFI, and and we both kind of are crafting our own that we're going to reveal at some point of our top 100. Mm-hmm. This has made itself in there, and it has a lot to do with that guy. You know what's really interesting about Spike Jones is he hasn't made a movie since her. Nope. He did a great – he had a great run of Where the Wild Things Are. Yep. And uh, her and being John Malkovich, yep. and he was on a roll, and then he just kind of stopped doing features. He got really into um, the documentary space and the digital world, and that's sort of where he's lived for the past almost decade. There are two Spike Jones. Spike Jones is with a Z. This Spike Jones. That gentleman did not have the same face <laughs> as this Spike Jones. No, yeah, and yeah, and I mean, Spike Jones is an incredible filmmaker, and um, I wish he would do more features. I really do. He just um, did the Beastie Boys documentary. I don't know if you saw that. You might not yet. That, um, he also he does. Fuck, that's delicious, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, he does everything. That's man. the best. Spike, go, scroll down and look at the uh, the um, music videos. The Otis music video from Watch the Throne. That's Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his mind is blown right now. Yeah, I wish you guys could see documentaries it. Documentaries and and TV and in uh, music videos. Yeah, all this dude. Stuff. He's he's a powerhouse. He's a powerhouse, and it's funny because he started out as part of the Johnny Knoxville crew with right. uh, Jeff Tremaine. He did all, he's all the he's the Jackass yeah. producer. <laughs> yeah, once upon a time, every Jackass movie. What do he you produced. think he leads with? Music videos, Jackass, or I'd lead with Jackass. Yeah, you can't Jackass. lead with her, right? <laughs> no, yeah. Because everything else looks like oh, the her guy did all those, but yeah. no, if oh, the Jackass guy did her, yeah. there's something yeah, yeah. there. That's a glow up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this dude's career. This is what I would want my career to look like. I could definitely see you having a career like this guy. Where like you it, get called jackass a lot, so I guess I do get called jackass a lot. Where like you're doing this one thing with your friends that just turns out to be successful. Uh huh. <laughs> I wink. winked at the camera. <laughs> um, we can get Greg in a shopping cart. Yeah, exactly. We could definitely get Greg in a shopping cart. And then you like kind of get notoriety for that. So then you start to get to work with people you never thought you would work with, right? And that's the music video part of his career. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hang on. I think I want to make some Oscar-winning movies. <laughs> right. Here, I mean, let's see if this, I'm any good at that. He's just a director. I mean, he's, yes. he's done every medium successfully. He's done stand-up, for crying out loud. He yes. did, uh, I think, Aziz's latest stand-up in New York. Mm-hmm. He had a little... Like camera on a handheld rig and was and just it's walking awesome. around the stage. That and that's Z. That's Aziz's comeback after the rape allegations. Yeah, and Spike Jones directed that. And but nailed it because when it's supposed to look like a comedy special, it looks like a comedy special. But then when Aziz is talking about like the shit that happened to him, that is very serious. He just tones it down, and that's when he's on that 
steady rig camera mm-hmm. and he's kind of just bouncing around on stage and aziz is just sitting on the stool i mean it yeah, is or he'll go in real good. tight you know very oh cool my shot. god yep. dude it was so good yeah, yeah i just wish he did more movies i was just gonna ask how much of a negative the uh kanye west and little pump i love it video on here is because that seems like a <laughs> bigger than a blemish i, I think, mean if he's uh, just an ex- if he's just an exec producer that's like <laughs> anyone <laughs> can be an ep i also <laughs> think uh got paid a fuck ton of money yeah um yeah, dude, I love Spike Jones. Um, this movie was great; made its way onto my top 100. And I mean, Joaquin and ScarJo are just yeah, the performances are killer. Oh, I did think God. this was an image of the gentleman, and I cannot remember his name from Fantastic Beasts for a second. Eddie uh, Redman. Eddie guess Redman, what? Thank you. He's coming up later, so oh buckle up. Was baby. he in Moneyball? Uh, no, he's in the last yeah. movie. <laughs> um, um, what did you real quick before yeah. we move on from this? Hey, and Jay Boyd, Spike Jones is a god. He is, absolutely. Um, but here's my question. Yeah. This movie came out in 2013. Yes. And when I talked about this on the movie poster yes. show. Yes, okay, yeah, let's dig into that. I mentioned that this movie was ahead of its time. Yes. Given how far we would come with Siri and Alexa in the reality of VR and AR and all those different things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was interesting. It's interesting for me to look back when it came out and realize, like, how that it's such a possible thing now when you were watching it yeah is there any sense of that like does it feel like it could exist in today's world with that technology and how everything works i mean at the time this movie was set in the near distant future and that's when you watched it so it's like it's matched up i mean in 2013 the cork factory didn't exist yet I don't know what that is. Okay, so the cork factory is when they took um, they took the old cork factory in the strip and they turned it into a bunch of luxury apartments, which is essentially where he lives, right? Okay. And yeah. then it's connected to his work. He never goes outside on his commute. He just goes across that bridge. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's essentially what's built in Bakery Square right now with Google, right? The Google employees walk across that sky bridge. They go right to work, and then they walk back home. They never leave Google. Mm-hmm. The apartments are Google. Right. So, buddy, it, it it nailed it. Yeah. And and we are not at that point yet where AI is Samantha. But I I st- and, and what I just said with Steve Jobs, the people leading the tech front want to get there. It's pretty damn close. I mean, there are like holograms in Japan that teach high school kids like that's the tech is seriously like it's getting very close and um i mean you can you can talk to your devices and they will talk back to you right not not like conscious that. not like sentient yeah not yeah, like yeah, conscious, yeah, yeah yeah but like but you can ask questions and it's make pretty it do da- things it's, and yeah it's pretty darn close say, the influx of and i showed up uh to you guys here the the popular show catfish and the, the influx of not understanding who's a profile on social media the amount of robots on social media platforms 90 uh, percent of them are bots that read sentiment based on connotation in text so yeah it's not something that they're speaking back to you in scarlett johansson's very sexual voice but it's you know, hey, baby, I was thinking about you last night. And, yeah. And you're single and you're a guy. Yep, you're right. diving headfirst. Yep. So we're not Another far example. away from this. Not far away at all. Yeah, you're not far away. I thought the creepiest part of the movie was the the letter writing thing. Yeah, that's an interesting career because his job in the movie is to write other people. It's sort of a representation of how disconnected everyone's become, right? right. Because everyone is on their device, like in their head. Yep. They don't talk to each yep. other. Yep. And it's such a disconnected world that his job is to write other people's cards for them, yep. which is – well, it's like, And it's an oddly 
oddly beautiful career to have because right. You have he's to a really, part of the relationships. Yes, and even though he's not in it, he's the one that's connecting these people, and he's writing someone's 50th anniversary card, or he's writing someone's I'm sorry for your loss card, and it's a very emotional thing to do. Which do you did you recognize the irony of the fact that he won't fuck the symbiote? Uh, in terms of what? what do you when mean? when she hires the hooker. Right, like she Samantha the voice right. hires a physical human being. Yeah. For him to physically have sex with while she's in his ear, so it's like it's as close as they can come to having sex with right. each other. Right. But that's essentially what he is writing the cards. He's a conduit, just like she was. That is interesting. I never thought about that. Different kind of conduit. But I just certainly. put that together as you were talking. I was like, man. Yeah, definitely. Oh, um, Spike Jones, you crazy bitch. Yeah. That was a badass movie. I do. I love it. I love it very much. Uh, yeah, definitely in my top uh, 100, and, and I would say well into the top 20s. Love that. It's a great movie. Love it. Still sad as fuck, though. <laughs> um, can we take a short commercial break so I can fill up my water bottle, and then uh, let's do the Aaron Sorkin cornerstone and end of the show, because that guy's really fucking good, too. Indeed he is. We'll be right back after this. We're calling it the Idiot Hour. Hey, Denny Hamlin, new NASCAR fan here. You really gotta like, but you gotta like blow. He wears the skull of his dead mother. <laughs> and then when he finally copes with the death of his mother, he becomes his mother. He becomes Marowak. Correction, Ovi is the greatest offensive talent we've ever seen. I am E. You dumbass. <laughs> And now for Josh's Aaron Sorkin extravaganza. But for real. I'm so excited. I'm not even kidding. I could talk about Aaron Sorkin all day. I oh, just, my God. I watched yesterday uh, – no, two days ago I watched a video on YouTube. Uh, about where, how good Moneyball is? No, it oh. was Aaron Sorkin was answering questions from the web about <gasps> screenwriting. So uh, they, do you ever over. see those? They have, them, they have like, yeah. experts answer people's questions yeah, 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 from, yeah. like, Twitter and shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, Man. Oh, let's yeah. talk about another surprise Chris Pratt movie, which I think yeah. are the best kind. <laughs> um, <laughs> Moneyball makes me want to walk into Jim Rutherford's office and explain why we need to trade every goalie in our system right now for Elvis Marsleekin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, love, I love that. And you should do it. Okay. Kick um, the door down. The whole movie... Um, Who touched my screen? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Are you frozen? Yeah. What happened? Um, Aaron Sorkin wrote it. Okay. Bell so Aaron, Miller directed Aaron Sorkin it. wrote it, and and this is the note that I was trying to interpret. 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 Um, Have you drank at all? 
No. It's just Josh in English. Just me. <laughs> just Josh in English. As, as compared to what, me and Canadian? Or like, oh, don't well, you English, know? English language. You have yeah. a better shot at Canadian. You know, Chris Pratt's Canadian. No, uh, I bet if you talk Canadian, this would all be flawless. Oh, probably, right? <laughs> be flawless, eh? Eh? Yeah. Uh, Ilvers Mersleekens, the best goalie on the roster. Um, <laughs> shut up. Um, okay. So, Aaron Sorkin. Yes. Is not just a great writer but might be the master of taking the real-life event and flipping it into a dramatic movie. He's done it extremely well several times. And and I think what he does better than anybody else mm-hmm. is take the sincerity of what's happening and put funny beats into it, like this part, right? Where he's like, and he, you know, uh, Brad Pitt snaps and points at Jonah Hill, and Jonah Hill does nothing, right? Right. And he's like, when I point at you, you talk. And he's like, do you want me to talk now? Like, that's a great written beat by a writer setting up an actor to deliver comedy in a dramatic moment, right? So um, I forget who's the the comedy writer we were talking about where they write it as a serious piece. And yeah, that's Seth Rogen and Judd yeah, Apatow's mantra. Thank you. They write a comedy as a drama. As a drama. And let you know, it naturally play out. And Sorkin does that, but with real life events. Well, I think he'd be the first to tell you that he would, he does not do comedy. I mean, he, on that uh, video I was actually telling you about, one of the questions was, is there a TV show or movie that you wish you had written on? And he's very vocal about how much he loves the office, but would never dream of having written on it See, because he, he doesn't would, think he would destroy the office. He, he doesn't think that he can do comedy. He can't. Well, who said the quote that um, I think it was Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow where they talk about comedies have the most real moments and dramas have the funniest moments. There was oh, a quote that came out a little a bit ago that basically too. said drama movies seem to like very dramatic movies can have the most funny parts in them right. because it's mm-hmm. a it's a dramatic piece that like you have a funny humor and comedies can have the most real part because you're there having a good time and then boom smacks you in the face. Yeah. Oh, I have to be real. Like yeah, oh, definitely. Um, Love that. So like this the the pointing thing right and then watching all the old guys get upset. Another great small beat is when they're trying to recruit Chris Pratt to play first base, mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, "It's not that hard." Tell him, <laughs> Scott, and then Scott goes, "It's incredibly hard." <laughs> like, that's just yeah. a great little fucking beat, and and it's I think in all of Sorkin's movies. Mm-hmm. He nails those. Yeah, those just little tension relievers. Yeah, That's yeah. Because, I mean, this is a very tense scene. He's basically walked in and told all these guys they're fired, more or less. Yeah, I mean, he's saying, we are not going to be able to replace these fucking guys. Right. You all especially need to stop thinking the way you're thinking. Right. But then they interject that yeah, moment. And then, you know, the and Jonah Hill in this movie, um, I think is great. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was Oscar good. He's pretty solid. And you know what? Sometimes when it comes to the Oscars, people take into account how different it is for that specific actor, right? So if you look at Jonah Hill's filmography before this, and then what he does in this movie, it's night and day. You know, maybe if you were just, if you had never heard of Jonah Hill before and you saw him in this movie, you'd be like, okay, yeah, like he's pretty decent as that sidekick or whatever. But knowing who he was in the movies that he's done, yeah, then you're like, wow, Jonah Hill was pretty awesome in that, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. Jonah Hill called Cody Baker a bitch in New York City once, fun fact. Which is just delightful. <laughs> um so uh Jonah Hill I think's okay. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the man. 
Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. No, who is terrible in this. Philip Seymour? I am as the coach. I am a Philip Seymour Hoffman guy through and through. It would be hard pressed to find a more Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's not guy. one of the actors you put on here, Josh. I exactly. Don't, I, I don't know what to do because I will forget that <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman was ever in this movie. Yeah, it's definitely a small and not really you know memorable part. Do for you him. know who I will forever remember as being my second favorite of his movies? What Brad Pitt. Second favorite Brad Pitt movie of all time? Second favorite Brad Pitt movie wow. of all time. Wow. What's number one? Uh, Burn This After Reading. Burn After Reading is he's number one? He's so good in it. Oh, my God. Dude, he's so good in it. I, I couldn't even tell you what the movie's about. I, I forgot it the moment I left the theater. Dude, I forgot he's what it was. so <laughs> good in it. I guess, but like no one talks about Burn After Reading. But, I mean, okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> I mean, sure, he's goofy in it with like the you know dancing and Nobody... stuff. Nobody... But has made a bigger career out of playing themselves in movies than Brad Pitt. He's he can nail that one character. The really cool guy. Uh-huh. Kind of like McConaughey yeah, does like, like the same bit. Back. Yeah, like hey, what's up? Oh, yeah. And he he just he is so good in this movie as that character, but it's just a little there's enough of a a in it that gets me. Okay. Cuz he's got a kid and like yeah. he when he's like th- showing frustration. Yeah, there there's some Thanks, stuff Derek. at stake. Yeah. <laughs> um now in the studio yeah, we have Phelps Coach of Oakland Athletics yeah. from 2001. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um but like his performance in this movie is so memorable. It's so brilliant. Do you think so? I really do. I I love it, but I disagree because I I think he's great in the movie for yes. sure. Yes. Um. But there's there's just nothing that's really stand out about it. You know, he plays a very average guy. I mean, yeah, he's the general manager of a baseball team trying to make it work. But like in the in the wide range of all of Brad Pitt's characters and all of his movies, this is fairly tame. Do you in know a what I did ways. love about it with yeah. Brad Pitt? The only moment that I genuinely loved about Brad Pitt in this movie was when he went, I believe, to the Cleveland Indians and tried to trade three different times, and Jonah Hill was the one that cut the trades off. And the fact that I didn't even realize it was Billy Bean, but I was like, fuck you, Brad Pitt. You beautiful, <laughs> wonderful, all the women are amazing. Yeah, you are not allowed to make that trade because the chubby guy in the corner that you don't know who he is said no. Right, that's Made hilarious. me happy. Um, you know what, though? I, and I will say to add on to before I, I let yeah, you go, go ahead. ahead, I will say that every year – I root for the Oakland A's to win their playoff series. I truly do because of this movie. Because of this movie. And they still haven't won. Chipper's favorite yeah. team, yeah. Josh. Chipper's I know it is Chipper's team. favorite team. Like, I don't, I don't like the team, but when I see they're in the playoffs, I'm like, I'd feel good for Billy if they won. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think um, here's the deal. He can disappear into characters. Mm-hmm. And he can give you Fight Club. He can give you – you know, super Ocean's Eleven, you know what I mean? Like, he can give you all of that. But for him to play, like you just said, a normal dude, I think was probably pretty hard for him. And he fucking hmm. killed it. That's an interesting idea. Because he's a super hot normal dude. Yeah, exactly. He is anything but a normal fucking dude. Mm-hmm. Like, if Tom Hanks played this role... You think Billy Bean is a normal dude? Well, I mean, Billy Bean... Billy Bean was the prodigy five-tool of baseball that became a GM because he couldn't hack it. And then also let a ball slip through his fucking... his feet. You're thinking of Bill Buckner. Thank you. <laughs> this is not the sports show. It's okay. Yeah, so it's make right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> BB. Red Sox, BB. It so was all B, the same know. thing. Um, 
but like he got drafted by the Mets. But he does play as a like Billy Bean is written in this movie to be an everyday man, mm-hmm. right? And if Tom Hanks played Billy Bean in this movie, he'd be like, "It's another stellar performance from Hanks." Mm-hmm. But I we would have thought of a league of their own. To be fair, just all right, like that. I'm sorry, you told me to think about movie shit you for the show. You have derailed me more times. I am bringing <laughs> education. What to do I I agree with you that he's great in the movie. I just like when I think of Brad Pitt's roles, Moneyball's definitely probably not top three. Give me your top three for Brad Pitt. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's got so many. I'd have Fight Club's got to be up there. I mean, Benjamin Button's one Benjamin of them. Benjamin Button's Even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is up well, there. Well, that's I didn't, another. I didn't yeah, see, he like, was Interview really good in Vampire. that. Interview with Vampire's probably up there for people. I mean, that's old. You know, he's a kid. Yeah. In that one, I don't think he's Brad Pitt yet. Mister and Mrs. Smith is probably that's up terrible there. movie. I cannot think of the name of it for the life of me, but Achilles. It's not a Oh, Troy. Oh, Troy, thank Troy. you, thank you. I yeah, think that oh is one boy. of the best movies ever. Oh, boy, is that a good one. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, so there's so many. And, I mean, I love the movie. Uh, I love him in it. But I, it's just, like, he has a lot more standout ones, I think. But I hear what you're saying for sure. That's just because, like, playing a normal dude for Brad Pitt is probably the furthest possible thing that he could possibly do. It'd right. Be like, if I went and played Brad Pitt, like, right. that would be right. ridiculous. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So I, I agree with what you're saying. I just oh I, dude the big short have you ever seen the big short that's as far away amazing. as he can get from Brad Pitt yes that's the most yes. un Brad Pitt you could possibly get have you seen it I've not but you've raved about that movie <sighs> a number of times he plays like a retired amazing. trader and he's got like this big beard and he's just like that's total. on Netflix right now too uh, this is by far oh the fuck farthest, look at that cast it is the farthest extent of every single one of these. Four gentlemen's characters to the max, yeah. and they all destroy it. This is one of the few movies. This and Zero Dark Thirty are two movies that every time I watch them, I love them more. This it's so genius the way they took the Big Short and they took something that's such a boring uh, subject and confusing, complex in terms of the housing crisis of 2007 and mortgage rates and subprime loans and all this shit. So like they, Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, but they yeah. made it fun and interesting and like understandable for people and did it with humor and it's just, it's a fantastic movie. I'll, Not to totally derail to go, the whole conversation. No, I'll have to go dig into that. I couldn't recommend that movie. Everyone enough. on that poster, I adore. And they're all at the height of their powers. Yeah. And they're all so different than you normally see them. Steve Carell's very put together. Christian Bale is not. He walks around with no shoes on. Uh, Ryan I imagine Gosling. Christian Bale actually just walks around with no shoes. <laughs> fair, fair. But this was at a point where Christian Bale wasn't known to be the crazy method actor of all time. He's Batman at yeah. that point. But yeah, Batman wears shoes. And like They're Ryan, even Ryan Gosling, think about the most douchey you can put Ryan Gosling to the nth degree in this movie, and it's <laughs> yep. perfect. Yeah. They're all so off type, but I, I can't recommend this movie. Hey, enough. Justin. What's up? Lie to me. <laughs> Where's Rachel? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But um, okay, uh, yeah, so, so Brad, Brad Pitt's great in it for sure. Um, but what else you got for Moneyball? I think that's about it. Oh! World War Z Boyd writes in. <laughs> World War Z Which, was a terrible movie. Why? It's the, only zo- movie. it's the only zombie a... movie with a legitimate different story about how the virus is spread. The War, book, War Z is a fantastic movie. That's That should have been in the books to movie because the book is so fucking good. And if they just would have made the book, it's amazing World you War can Z read, but you can't amazing. spell. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm focused. This is the show where I come on and I just get to be me. I don't have to worry about... Fucking pressing buttons and and. Can you get your hand out of Justin's shot? No, he looks really good right now. <laughs> Prove your I wanna, point. I yeah, want to yeah. clip this one. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. 
<laughs> now it's getting heated. He th- yeah, <laughs> Justin promised that we weren't going to throw things, and then Josh is just being the <gasps> Sorry, World Justin. War Z, though, by the way, for Justin Boyd, I will say in the chat, I, that movie's great. The third act of World War Z, where they're in the hospital, is one of the best third acts yes. in recent memory. It's a fantastic job, because it takes the zombie thing and well, flips it totally on its head. When you, when you think of zombie movies, a, a lot of them are uh, a little bit satirical. So zombie land and warm bodies and that type, or they're completely gore. They're completely horrific. And even even The Walking Dead has elements of that. World War Z really brought in, can I let the actors act in a movie that has zombies? And then when you actually get into the virus and what the point of it is, it was the only zombie flick that, because if you look at Walking Dead and you look at a lot of the movies, there's no real hint to how it happened. Zombieland. Mad cow disease to zombies. There's no, there's no in between. So World War Z at least gave an understanding that was a little bit different, which I enjoyed. Yeah, definitely a good one. Um, although that's not one where I like think of Brad Pitt in World War Z, to uh, our credit here. But um... World War Z in the book has one of the most stapled on perfect scenes meant for film, and they didn't even put it in the movie at Yonkers when they're driving back the original horde that takes over the country, there's a scene where they are on the tanks and they're playing Iron Maiden's The Trooper on loudspeakers again and again and again. And they fend off through the night. They fend off the horde of zombies. It is, on paper, one of the most chilling and picturesque scenes I've ever, ever never seen, like not seen. Mm Mm-hmm. And they didn't even put it in the fucking movie. Well, maybe that's one of the original scenes that they caught. Because the the thing about World War Z that's very well known is that they went through extensive reshoots. And it, it caused the budget to go so far past what it was supposed to be that even though this movie made $600 million for the studio, it still lost money. Because they had to go through so many reshoots. Like, it was very wow. publicized that the third act did not work. And they had to go reshoot the entire ending of the movie. So I wonder if that's, like, what they originally did. I wonder. Because, I How mean, How many that... books were there? Weren't there more than one? Is, are, are, wasn't it built to have multiple books and there, there was supposed to be the, other renditions something or something? Like that. Yeah, yeah okay. it's something like that where there's three books. Or, I think World War Z is its own book, and then there's a prequel and a sequel. Yeah. I think that might be it, Derek. But you're right. There's something where it's there are three of them or, or something along those that, that right. line. Um, last, last bit on Moneyball. I love that the end scene is a red herring. Which end scene? What do you mean? Where you think that he's going to take the money and go to the Red Sox, and then he doesn't. Mm. I love that. Yeah, and they offer him the most that the GM has ever made in the history of baseball. No, professional sports. Is it professional yeah. sports? Wow. Yeah, that was a paycheck. Um, but yeah. I, I just loved that the, the end scene was a red herring, which is also a very big Sorkin thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that is a classic Sorkin movie, right? 2012, I think, Moneyball. Maybe around there. Yeah, yeah, something like that. 2014, I think. Yeah. So now let's go to Sorkin's. You're right. Okay, 11. Um, 2012 that... Oscar. Yeah. What? Okay. Um, so now let's go to Sorkin's newest film, which yes. he wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. It's a Netflix original, mm-hmm. The Trial of the Chicago Seven. The second movie he directed, did you see Molly's Game with Jessica Chastain? I did not. That's and a it, great movie. And uh, it also has uh, Adris Alba in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody else too. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. But um, 
So this is his second directorial. Second debut. directorial. Yeah. And again, based on real life events, mm-hmm. the Chicago riots of '68. Um, they're all based around the Democratic National Convention. The people in the film are real people. Mm-hmm. It's an ensemble courtroom drama and has some badass actors in it. I mean, no one does, arguably, nobody does a courtroom drama better well, than Aaron Sorkin. Okay, a few good men. We right. get it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, well, it also stems from his background as being a playwright. He went to yeah. Syracuse for theater writing. And A Few Good Men, the first thing he ever wrote, he wrote as a play before he wrote it as a movie. So his entire background. The first thing he ever wrote? First thing he ever wrote was the play A Few Good Men, which became a movie. That's like me men. doing the Joe Rogan for our first episode. <laughs> right. Like, what the right. fuck? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, his his background and his love and passion is theater. That's why he's so good at talky movies. Yep. You know, yep. he doesn't do big set pieces and like all these crazy locations and stuff. He's about people in yep. a room speaking Which to I each other. I love Charlie Wilson's War. Charlie Wilson's War. Justin's Social favorite Network movie, is one of the best Network. movies ever. What did you say there, Derek? Josh didn't Social hear it. Network is absolutely <laughs> one of the best movies ever. Of all time? Of that's all what, time. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's not a great movie. I mean, that is building what Joaquin Phoenix tried to have sex with. So if you like her, you have to like Social <laughs> <Okay>. Network. <laughs> I had to put that together for I do a have second. A, I do have I a legitimate like, a legitimate question, Josh. So uh, before we get into this movie, you mentioned that this is the one of the best courtroom movies yes. you've ever seen. Yes. Would this be the guy to do a modern day 12 Angry Men remake? Hundred percent. I don't think I know what Twelve Angry Men is. Twelve Angry wow. Men is nineteen. Sorry. It's a nineteen no. fifties film directed by Sidney Lumet, who uh, did Network and Murder on, on the Orange. I love Express. it when you do this. It's like the uh, best thing. Yeah, nineteen fifty seven. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's a black and white. Henry Fonda plays the lead, and it's 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 exactly it's twelve jurors in a room amazing, trying Josh. to decide if a man is guilty of murder or not. And what starts? It's like. All of them except for one think he is, and then slowly over the course of the movie, they start to question whether or not this guy's actually guilty. And that's when you develop the case, and they, they start bringing the case to the audience's point of view because the guy says, listen, this is the one thing that makes me think that he is not 100% the killer, and it's about convincing everyone else that maybe he is, but it's not 100% that he is the killer. It is one of honestly, you read okay. it in every high school in America. Okay. Okay. It's it's okay. one of I think the greatest stories because it is just a room and it's just guys talking and it's an old movie. So I've been waiting for this to be Top remade. Ten, yeah, on AFI. Yeah, so I mean, literally, it's just twelve wow. guys in a room talking the whole time, and it's he would be the first person to, okay. to redo that for so sure. So interesting. So that's essentially uh, this has a lot more action, and it's not solely confined to the courtroom. Mm-hmm. The biggest scenes are in the courtroom, but um, how much of the movie is in the courtroom? Is it just the third act? Fifty percent. Okay, that's a lot. Because it's it it starts in the courtroom and then you jump back. I see. So you always come back to the courtroom, mm-hmm. but you're going in and out of it. Like through people's testimony, you flash back. Yeah, or, or like um, <clears throat> in between days of the trial, right? Because they they are, it's whether or not they are guilty, so they are still free from jail. I see. Oh, so okay. they're all living in this house together. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of cool scenes there too, where um, you know, all of the. The hippies, for lack of a better term, or the protesters, are in one house together, mm-hmm. and the lawyer like goes to the house, and like it's it's really co- cleverly directed and and, and laid out, um, as Sorkin does so well. Um, here's who's in this fucking movie. It's a big one. It's a big cast. 
And I I don't know if I want to save him for for last. I have made his eye gone. Or is this who you're Sa- talking about? No, no, no. Yeah, save that guy for last. That this one. Guy? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the top. The guy smoking the cigar. We're going to start I, with Jeremy Strong. That's fine. Jeremy Strong's great. So Jeremy <laughs> Strong, kind of like an older actor, been around, always is like the third or fourth guy mm-hmm. in the movie, plays the best friend of the leader of the revolution, who we'll get to later, and is fucking great. He's the comedy relief in the movie. Yeah. He has a lot of classic one-liners. He is the... Jerry Garcia, Cheech and Chong type character who's high the entire time, accidentally falls in love with a secret agent who's, like, trying to bring down the revolution from inside. Like, I mean, he's fucking brilliant. Jeremy Strong, by the way, in the big short, shout out, hello. Oh, there you go. But um, I I will say this about Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong is not a person I don't think was really on the radar until Succession came out. Yes. You watch Succession? No, but I'm aware of Succession. Okay, yeah, that's what yeah. put him the into best, the, the conversation. The best show on TV, people would tell you right Most now. Most people he, would yeah. say. He looks like not Littlefinger. Yes, he's the opposite of... Um, I, if I didn't need to recall that man's name, I'd be able to just spit oh, it Aiden, back at you. Aiden Gillen. Thank you. See, I, would, I, I, Gillen. Don't, I don't know his name. I know he's amazing, and I love yeah. him. Aiden but. Gillen's on my roster of my Tarantino movie. It's basically Peaky Blinders with Scarlett Johansson. Somebody yeah. give me money. <laughs> <laughs> you plug Peaky Blinders on it's every so single good, show. It's I so think good. that what you I, have some wait, kind of Have you seen Peaky Blinders? I I tried and I didn't take. Okay, so when you do watch it, I want I want to ask you what he character won't. you think. But I and I'll even give you a synopsis of the character yeah, sometime. Yeah. I want to know which character you think Josh is. I can guarantee you it's Tom Hardy, whoever that is. That's no, it. okay. But I <laughs> wish I was. Tom Hardy is a uh, a heavily Jewish gang lord. Uh-huh. Uh That's you know is basically the most badass person in the entire like show. Like if you thought Sounds you couldn't right. understand Tom Hardy as Bane, you have hey, not so seen you shit you yet. <laughs> nice. I don't know how you do a British Jewish accent, but that is what Tom Hardy does. Love you know, I've always been impressed by Tom Hardy's ability to change his body type. No matter, yes. the, I was more impressed by his ability to change his entire fucking being. Yes, to be that Damn. to be that so. character. It's so. But you still know it's Tom Hardy because of his eyes. There you go. His eyes have seen some shit, and I know those eyes. Um, <laughs> I could pick him out of a lineup. I'm sure you could. I guarantee it. Um. So yeah, so Jeremy Strong though in yes. Succession, which is a drama, mm-hmm, you know he's mm-hmm. part of that empire, uh, the the media family, right? And it's a very dramatic show. Um, and then so he was in Guy Ritchie's movie The Gentleman, which came out last year, where he played a more comedic role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this it, lo- it seems like he's straight up against type, where he's just like a full on yeah comedy. Hippie. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I mean, he is delightful in this. Yeah, um, he's really coming out of his shell right now. This guy. Oh yeah. Brian was the guy flipping everyone. I remember that. Yeah, we were talking uh, in the chat that oh. uh, Simpsons did a 12 Angry Man episode. So then Family Guy obviously oh. followed up with one where Brian was the one person flipping, and it ended up being that uh, if you watch 12 Angry Men, one of the guys just hates the person that does the task for a reason that makes sense in the movie. Oh. Uh, so um, uh, Peter Schmidt. His father-in-law, Peter's father-in-law, is the one that Brian is the last person to switch. And it's very on par, and that's what I put in the chat, is the, the thing that made me mad about the Family Guy orientation, in all seriousness, was they tried to put humor into Peter's, like, one-off things, where, like, they're all having very serious moments, and Peter's over there, and, he's, and you can see this light. And he goes, I can't tell if I want the blinds down or not. And it's like, 
kind of funny, that. but it was also yeah. like it was like Family Guy trying to be Family Guy, but also just like you could just recreate that and it was right. gonna be good. So that's the right. explanation right. for the chat. Sorry to cut in, guys. No, you're good. You're good. I'm looking at my notes to know where I want to go from here because there's a lot of names on this. Can we do? Uh, no, not him yet. Can we do Mark uh, Rylance? Mark Rylance, yeah, from Bridge of Spies. Most notably, he won Best Actor for in Steven Spielberg's movie. And he's also, he was in Ready Player One yep. as the game designer. Yep. It's such um, a good movie. Yeah. I love him. Another one who's been around for a long time and I don't think was on people's radar until the last five or ten years when he yes. did a bunch of Stevens movies. He was in Dunkirk. He was in the BFG. I mean, it's he's really come into more bigger You can't movies. convince me that they didn't think of the big fucking giant. Like, I know it's been Friendly Giant. You can't convince me they didn't have one PR meeting go, hey, it's going to be the big fucking giant on a lot of Twitter. <laughs> I was like, where is this coming from? Uh, BFG. Okay. He yes. mentioned BFG. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's big Friendly Giant. You can't tell me they didn't have a PR discussion about the big fucking giant. Yeah. Just throwing yeah, that out. Sure they yeah. Um, so he, in, in, in screenwriting, we talk about the, the old wise man being a, a big character in a lot of a lot of hero's journey and, and mm-hmm. a lot of writing, right? Yep. If he's not cast in every movie as that guy, like you're fucking up. Yeah. He's so good in that role. Cause he's the lawyer trying to get everybody off. Okay. And he's going toe to toe with Frank Lagella. Frank L- Langella. Who did Thank he get you. off? <laughs> he's trying to get everybody. The big off. fucking giant. Get everybody. <laughs> off. He's trying to get everybody <laughs> yeah. off in this movie. Um, Write a post-it note for that one. Can just for the you record. put Frank? What is this guy's name? Thank you. Yeah. Who is? I have that hat. Awesome. Who I'll bring is? It sometime. Who is the senile judge who is trying to? Conv- who is is stuck in between the way he thinks America should be and the way America's going? Right. And the two of them have a lot of really powerful scenes together where they're yelling at each other, and it goes from yelling to whispering when he like has to approach the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's two old actors just like getting their druthers up you know what i mean like they're just really getting into it getting their what their druthers (laughs) (laughs) what do you want me to say this little nugget their druthers (laughs) that wasn't as good um Um, is is this is he a very well-known gentleman no that's the best part do you know why i know him he's done a lot of movies yeah i'm looking through here do you know the one movie which is kind of sad i know him he is the owner of the Cleveland Browns. Oh, and your in fucking the movie favorite Draft movie, Day. Draft my, Day. One of my favorite shitty movies yeah. of all time. No, he was he was nominated for an Oscar for Richard Nixon and Frost yeah. Nixon. Yeah. I mean, he was in The Box, which was a pretty surprise hit. Superman Returns, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Frank Langella is a guy that I don't think he's a name that people know, but you've certainly seen his movies. That's what, when you, the picture came up, I was like, I've seen his face. Yeah, and, and his couldn't... voice is even more so than his uh, than his look, actually. Right, and I, but like, that's the fav- my favorite part of this movie mm-hmm. is that there's enough guys that when you see them, you're like, I think I know who that is. And they all give – I don't want to say career performances because that's a very heavy thing to say. But they give excellent performances. And I like what you said about when it's Mark Rylance and Frank Langella going up against each other because here you have two incredibly experienced, yes. talented actors yes. going toe-to-toe, even if it's only for a few scenes, mm-hmm. but just to have them – play off each other like yep. that yeah it's it's very much like when de niro goes toe-to-toe with somebody of his caliber sure like that's how and harvey Keitel shared yeah and you're like, just like fuck yeah, yeah. i want to see this you're the whole like, these movie. are two people who who know how to do it yep Love and that. that's how that's how they they do in this movie 
Um, and this guy just popped up on screen, so we'll talk about him while this plays. Um, the guy from Fantastic Beasts and know where to find them. Mr. Redmayne, Eddie Redmayne. Thank you. Eddie Raymond. Uh, Ray, what is it? Redmayne? Redmayne. Why yeah. did you have to say it different after he just told you how to say it? Because I wasn't listening. Actively Ready, Redman. Ready, Redman. I'm trying to listen or work on. Ray Romano. Um, he plays the best worried guy in Hollywood right now. <laughs> <laughs> he is always concerned. He's like that in interviews if you watch him. Like, is he's he? kind of he's fidgety like and nervous. Like, he's like, yeah, he's just like, yeah, like I'm really thirsty right now. Like, I mean, come on. He's definitely like got this sort of how did I get here quality. Yes. Um, I think the Harry Potter remakes are okay. It's like if you wanted more Harry Potter movies, that's what it, it is. Right. And and I think he's fine in it. Could have been worse. Could have been worse, Could've exactly. Could have been way worse, yeah. Uh, he's fine in it. I really loved him in this movie. He's a very talented actor. Because he's kind of like out of the revolution. He's the most buttoned up. He's the most like locked in on what society is expecting. He's the turncoat in the group. Hmm. Um, There's a famous scene uh, in this movie that we'll talk about later where um, one of the characters is being treated so poorly – that when the judge is dismissed and the all rise happens, everyone that's all the defendants agree to stay sitting and not rise, and he stands up. Mm. It's a very powerful scene, and he, like, it's a typecast thing for him, but sometimes you gotta hit a fastball, and he just kills it. Nice. I mean, it's it's really fun because you don't like him in the movie. And you're not supposed to like him because mm -hmm. all these characters are, are sweethearts and, and you cheer for them and you want to see them get off and you want them to go free and, and you feel like what they did was right. But you're like, man, if this guy got fucked over, I wouldn't be mad about it because okay. he's a trash character. He's trash. His character's trash. Was from a, just a, an obvious perspective looking at his IMDb, the first thing that I noticed and saw him in was Les Mis. Mm -hmm. I didn't see Les Mis, but yes, Les Mis was was, was Les Mis was honestly Hugh Jackman's voice is wonderful. In Hathaway yes. is just beautiful and yes. wonderful. Mm -hmm. But that was he really actually stood alone for a guy that I said I can't believe I've never seen him before. Uh huh. Um, and now he's in everything, and it's amazing to see. And I, I genuinely believe he will be a Tom Hanks of our time esque guy. And and what I mean by that is that he's being put in the correct roles at the correct time when Netflix and other products are putting out legitimate movies, huh. and he's he's being placed in the one hundred percent correct situation. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, very talented actor. Yeah, he played Stephen Hawking in the Theory of Everything, for which he won an Oscar. Oh, that's right. And he was in the Danish Girl, uh, playing one of the first uh, trans operation people yeah, against yeah, Alicia yeah, Vikander, yeah, yeah. who won an Oscar for that movie. So yeah, he's an incredibly talented actor. Um, so I thought he was really great. Um, let's also, can I see the actors again? Let's talk about, um, yeah, JGL. That's a good one. JGL, who we <sighs> touched on pretty well with Project Power. JGL, is this the other movie he did with Netflix on the comeback? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, he's better in this than he is in Project Power, but he's not really acting. Just being JGL? He's just being JGL, which I think is okay. Fair. You just said that Brad Pitt is always Brad Pitt. That's, but that's what, that's why I just said it's okay. okay. I'm just making sure. Yeah, we I'm we talked about sure. on Project Power how like Jamie Fox is just being Jamie Fox in that movie, and like Jamie totally Fox fair. just being Jamie Fox is better than. That's why I liked his um Robin Hood movie. Yeah, exactly. Jamie Fox, but Robin Hood, right? Like, um, but I think JGL is just being JGL, and he he is the um he is the lawyer trying to convict everybody. 
Oh, okay. So he's kind of playing the the bad guy, if you will, mm-hmm. right? But he is of the same age as everybody picked, which puts him at odds because you know he like understands and, and sympathizes with a lot of these people, mm-hmm. but can't do anything about it because he was picked by the attorney general to convict them, and the attorney general wants a conviction. Sure. So like it's this really really uh, tough tough spot that he's in. JGL's fine, but he gets steamrolled by two actors. Okay. And we're going to talk about Yala Abdul Matan first, please, Derek. Is that the dude from the uh, Old Spice commercials? No. Okay. I don't think so. No. That's not him, right? It doesn't look like him, but okay. that guy also, I think, had like Abdul in his name. He might. No, that's no, not, that's not yeah, him. Okay, yeah. So, this guy has pretty much been in nothing. He's kind of like background characters. He was in an episode of... Um, he was Manta in Aquaman. Okay. That's something, right? I mean, it was the highest grossing <laughs> movie of that year. Greatest Showman. Baywatch. Greatest... Okay, so he's... Very weird roles. Weird roles, but he's not the guy. Okay. 100%. Cool. So he's not the guy in anything. He fucking should be. Oh, yeah? So he plays... Um, where's my little... Okay. Uh... I said powerful, like incredible, like Denzel in Malcolm X. I mean, this guy's a badass. Wow. So he plays the leader of the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. And he is being tried for giving a speech and then leaving Chicago. So he's getting roped in with all these other guys who started a riot mm-hmm. because they want to seem – they want to convict all of them as a as a terrorist group. Okay. And he is being thrown in to make the group look scarier. To make the group look less like college kids and hippies, and he's put it like he's the face of it. They're trying to make him the face of it by saying the Black Panthers helped them. Okay, mm-hmm. and all he did in in real life was be there for four hours in Chicago, gave a speech, and left. Wow! And it was he was not even there the day of the riots, but his lawyer has to have gallbladder surgery and can't recover, so he has no representation. During the trial. Oof. And the old judge, turns out in the 60s, was a little bit racist. <laughs> and won't let him speak for himself. Okay. And because of the way it's it's all worked out, he won't let Mark Rylance, say it? Rylance, yeah. Rylance. He won't let him represent him, even though he's representing everybody else in that group, because he wants a black lawyer, because he's leader of the Black Panthers. Gotcha. So he doesn't want a white man getting him off. Mm-hmm. Right. His performance in this movie, every time he speaks, you stop. It's like the movie comes to a halt every time he talks. It is like commanding. And in an, I've already talked about there. Okay, so there he's, he's addressing the judge and he's telling him, I don't really give a damn what you want because he's just trying to get his words in edgewise that he wasn't even there. He has nothing to do with this. He doesn't know these people. He's never met these people a day in his life. Mm. And uh, the most powerful scene is um, is after he says that, and he says it very calmly. He doesn't yell. He just stands up and says, I don't give a damn what you want. Um, the judge says to the court marshals, take care of this man as he should be treated. 
They drag him into the back. They beat the fuck out of him. They bound his hands and his feet, and they gag him. And then they tie him to the table. They, so he has to be sitting. Wow. And it is the most visually haunting thing I've seen in a movie in a long time. Damn, that sounds very intense. And he nails it. So basically what ends up happening is after he's bound and gagged, JGL goes up to the bench and he goes, I demand a mistrial on his his behalf. So he gets to go home. He's off. Mm-hmm. Like he's off the, the case, right? And it's in that scene where the the group decides to not stand up when the judge is dismissed and um, Eddie Redmayne's character stands up. Nice. So, the, I mean, the whole – it's probably like – in the movie, the runtime of the scene is probably about 10 or 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and it is – I'm getting chills thinking about it. That's how good it is. Love that. Um, so, yeah, that guy needs some fucking roles. Good to know. Get that guy on screen. Um, and the last guy I want to talk about is in everybody's mind right now, not Aaron Sorkin. Um, I just want to bring up that I his glasses are too tiny for his face. Yes, I meant they to bring are. that up when you guys were talking about him, and I didn't see this picture, so that's why yes. I brought this up right now. Um, They're just too tiny. This next guy is on the tip of everyone's tongues right now because he just released the sequel to his most successful movie ever, but that's not why I want to talk about him. I want to talk about Sasha Barry Cohen. Okay. I tried to do some transition to make it Chris Pratt because uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was going to come out soon. Or 3, excuse me. <laughs> no. uh, but I couldn't get there quick enough. So. Okay. You did. Thank you. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen uh, plays a very serious role as Abby Hoffman. This should be noted by every major casting office in Hollywood because this guy has chops and can bring humor and sincerity to a movie amongst serious actors. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that Sasha Baron Cohen's actually a pretty decent actor. Really good like, actor. Like, they're all like, oh, the Borat guy? Like, gross. Or, you know, but he's yep. actually got some very, very decent chops. And this is um, another person playing off the beaten path for his type of character. He's well, he's really like, not. Not not off the beaten path. Uh, off type, I think, is a better way to say it. Like, he's, be- he's being much more straight-laced and buttoned up than his usual antics. Yes, but the Abby Hoffman character is the comedian of the group. Is he? He's the one, like, when when the judge is saying something, he says a smart-ass comment back to try to get the judge riled up. He's doing stand-up comedy during the trial inside of universities. Did you know he's in Lemis? <laughs> he's in Lemis too? Everyone's in Lemis. No, I, I'm completely serious. It's one of his best roles ever. Okay. I guess I gotta watch Lemis. Um... So, uh, but he is so fucking good in this movie, Justin, because the entire time he's a clown, then him and Eddie Redmayne have a, a standoff mm-hmm. and the, it's a great scene as well. There's so many great scenes in this movie cause it's fucking Sorkin, right? Um, but they have like a standoff and then Abby, who's his character has to go on trial. Mm-hmm. And when he goes on trial, he's sincere and he's reserved and he's quiet and he's and it's so fucking good. Do you know he's King Julian in Madagascar too? <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> That's more of the character That's you it. think. Yeah. Um, but man, dude, he is so good. Love that. I want to see him do more because it's like, it to me, it's like Sandler when he does something serious and you're like, fuck, is he good? You forget. Yeah, yeah Will Ferrell the same way. You know what I mean? Like when you let these goofy guys come in and just 
fucking sit in it and do a great role. Yeah. Like, it's so memorable. He's probably not going to get any buzz for this because, unfortunately, it's around the same time as Borat. But, fuck, that's a great. It's a great role. You know, for a long time, he was supposed to be in Bohemian Rhapsody instead of Rami Malek. Right. But they didn't want to do that version for that amount of money. And, and it was supposed to be more explicit and graphic, like our hard R version, I think, of the movie. But, um, yeah, I love, I love to hear that because I do like Sasha Baron Cohen. And it does sound like he gets some scenes to really show his range. He Well, because when you see him, you're like, oh, my God, Sasha Baron Cohen's in this movie. And he lives up to Sasha Baron Cohen for the first 75% of the movie okay. where he's just a, a wise ass and very funny and like very comical and like, you know, is the leader of the hippie revolution. And, and, and then um, he and Eddie Redman have a, a, a standoff as to what the revolution really is about. Cause Eddie Redman, I keep butchering this Redmayne's character, um, Eddie Raman, Raman, uh, Eddie Raman's character wants to get people elected to make change from the inside. Mm -hmm. And then Sasha Barrett Cohen explains that you have to have money. You have to have pull. You have to have power to do that. And to get those things, you have to play their game. But media is free. And if you make a scene, the TV cameras and the lights and the reporters will show up. And that is how you can change the minds of millions that's such a powerful idea, too, given it's the world that we live in today, dude. isn't it? So I, relevant. So this, I mean, if you are in the mood to watch Zach, you're probably not watching right now, but Zach, Zach PGH, before you come on this show next week, um, the next two weeks, you would love this movie, dude, because it is all about, um, it's it's what we're doing right now. It's, uh, it's the same fucking thing, what we're going through right now in this country, right. which is fucking sad to say, right? But it is so prevalent. And it's so like literally this could be about the George Floyd protests. Like that's how that's how like creepy it is, how close it is. Mm -hmm. um, and I think all those all the political unrest and a lot of those issues are what sort of pushed this movie to get made mm -hmm. to match up with the times. Right. Because it had okay. been sitting in development hell for so long. And finally, you know, because of the times we're in, you know, Netflix said this is the time to make this. So wow, uh, yeah, it matched the, the the times that we're in being so similar to what the movie's about in terms of uh, police brutality or like uh, unrest in in certain circles with the law and with freedom of speech and all these different things. Democracy itself, like just obviously, the past year, all the themes of this movie are our times right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I know that I have already said that. If I could recommend one movie for everybody to watch before the end of the year, it's Peanut Butter Falcon. But this could be a, a close second. Well, yeah, and it just came out on Netflix, I think, in the last week or two. Yeah, so. it's it's at the top of your feed. I guarantee if you go to Netflix right now, it is at the top of your feed. Um, yeah, and it's in certain movie theaters, too. Is it? Yeah. Oh, good, so we might get some Oscar buzz for it. I mean, even if it wasn't, it could still get buzz. Well, I mean, technically it has to be in theaters for you know, right. a week or two in a certain number of runs. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, no one's going to go see it in theaters right now just because no one's seen well, anything in theaters. I would like but. I would like Sorkin to get another Oscar because – I miss movie popcorn. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I do miss movie popcorn. Um, but I think Sorkin's directorial – not debut, but his second directing, uh, I think he, he's incredible in it. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, – 
and I really think there's some I don't think there's Oscar worthy winning performances, but there's definitely some that need to get some buzz, particularly Sasha Baron Cohen. Have all, and have Netflix movies produced Oscars yet? I know that yeah, might be a Roma. dumb question. Okay, and, I just um, haven't. I haven't thought sure. about that to be honest. Marriage stories. Thank you. I mean, they're, they're, was the they haven't one. won Best Picture yet for anything. Roma. But they've no Green Book won Best Picture oh, that that's year. That's right. Um, but they've yeah they've been in the Oscar Nominated. conversation yeah. the past couple years for a lot of things. Marriage Story, uh, Into the Spider Verse. Sure. Yeah, they've done a few documentaries. Spider-Verse just Netflix solely. I believe so. I don't doubt that by any stretch of the imagination. No, I think no. that was a Sony movie they owned. Oh, they you're, owned probably right. you're probably but right. But I know I went straight to Netflix or something along yeah. those lines. So. Um, yeah, but no, they've done. They did a few documentaries. That one, Icarus, was one. And, Icarus uh, is yeah. great. Uh, the 13th, What was the one that Ava DuVernay did uh, about slavery? I, the Thirteenth or something. Oh like uh, yeah, um, okay. but, uh, yeah. But yeah, so Netflix has certainly been around the conversation the past couple years. For, like I said, I don't think they'll win anything. But well, there's not a lot of movies to compete with. True. So, but Sasha Baron Cohen needs recognized for his performance. And the what? Irishman was up for Best Picture. Irishman, yep. yeah. Uh, what's what's that name? Yaya Abdul Mateen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He was. St- oh God, he's so good. At Sounds it. like if you love writing, if you love characters, if you like. It's it's a Josh scenes. movie. It's a hundred percent a Josh movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, love that. But there's some good action scenes, and there's some good like when the riot actually happens, it's very powerful and moving, and so it's not all courtroom drama based like um, some of the other ones. So, but yeah, love that. I love all these movies that you've been watching. This makes me so happy that you're watching all these movies. When you come and say, "Hey, look at all these movies I watched," look nothing at, makes me happier. Look, well, I'm glad um, that it makes you happy. Uh, there's definitely my queue is not empty, and um, I think that the potpourri episode um is something that we can do more regularly as well definitely because i would love to know what you've been watching um and talking about the directors and the actors and 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 not necessarily going over a recap of the movie but around the movie the people in the movie the buzz of the movie or the flop of the movie that kind of stuff definitely yeah we should throw more of these in for okay. sure cool i agree justin have you ever seen green street hooligans yeah, Charlie Hunnam. I love Son yeah. of Anarchy. is my favorite show, uh, dramatic yeah. show of all time. And yeah, that's a that's a good movie. See, I do like. Right. I mean, I'm not even a soccer guy, but it's just. You know, a, yeah, it was just a. Uh, you know, all right. Yeah, just a badass. It's one of the only things he and Austin agree on. <laughs> what not being soccer guys? <laughs> no, uh, Green Street Holy is a good movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. Elijah Wood's best, arguably. Oh wow! Lord wow. of the Rings was cute. That's a whole other. Lord of the Rings was cute, that's but uh, a bold that's a whole, statement. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's like Paul Rudd's the greatest actor of a generation. I don't know who said that. I feel like it was Paul Rudd that said that quote I said earlier, and I'm gonna find it, and I couldn't find it. I could that very drama well be Paul Rudd. Bring the best comedy, and comedies bring it the best be. dramatic moment. It was a Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, somebody in that Judd Apatow, somebody in that realm that came. Out, I'll in find it. Realm. I believe I you. It, it, that or fuck it, I made it up. Oh. Wow! Wow, go. that was really insightful, Derek. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it took twenty-six beers. Yes. <laughs> Love that he's been muting himself <laughs> the whole show. He's got the buttons. I, so I do I it so I don't got like if I say something stupid, you don't have to exactly take the yeah. All right, all right. That must have been something stupid coming. I guess. Penis. I penis. Penis. Um. All right. Well, that's the friend of the freaking episode. <laughs> Good is his voice, Justin. Uh, on a scale of one to little Nicky, like I gotta ask you, how realistic is it? Uh, what do you mean? I'll just use the word "good." You can decide what that means. <laughs> I'm, that's that's like an eight right there. I hey! think it's that's like spot on. Eight out of a hundred isn't bad, Josh. <laughs> it's yeah. It's either that or Gollum. Those are my two. That one, yeah, that one's, that one's a ten for sure. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> but you're not gonna be here the next couple weeks. I'm not gonna be here. 
Um, I and, miss you. And I'm kind of bummed because the two movies that you guys are doing are one of them's one of my all time favorites, and the other one I've not seen entirely, and I want to at some point. So because it's which Schindler? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Well, I didn't know. And you know how I feel about Spielberg. Of course, best yeah. to ever do it. But next week for Halloween, yes. do we, should we say Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, so next week, Austin is going to be back with Zach, and uh, it's Austin's pick. He, we're doing the original Halloween in time for Halloween. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Uh, Jamie Lee yep. Curtis. Uh, I think the guy's name is Nick Castle. The ver- the original <laughs> the guy, Halloween. The guy who's Michael original. Myers' name is Nick Castle. I don't – who cares? Wait, Michael Myers <laughs> doesn't play Michael Myers? No, surprisingly. It's actually it. Mike Myers under the mask, like from Wayne's That's, World. It's uh, that Mike Myers. That would be actually pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> totally cool. But, um, stab, stab, stab. Yeah, so for our Halloween episode yep. next week, before Halloween, we're going to do the actual Halloween movie. So that will be, be great. Fun. And then uh, after that, Spielberg's – I can't even say masterpiece because, like, pick one. But, like, right. maybe his most serious film he's ever done. Sure. One of his most personal. Yeah. Top, top 20 Liam Neeson role. Top 20 Liam Neeson That's role. how people remember It's between it. that and uh, yeah. A Million Ways to Die in the West. So. <laughs> yeah. So Schindler's List. That'll be after that. Yeah, after it's Halloween. a very funny movie, Schindler's List. And Derek uh, will be filling in Hello. for me. So thank you in advance for that. Get more beer. Get more. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there we go. That's uh, that's what's coming your way for thoughts from the movies for the next couple of weeks. And then I'll be back um, and we'll tackle something. Love it. Have a great time uh, among the trees. <laughs> there is trouble in the forest. There is trouble. <laughs> Listen to some Joshua tree, man. <laughs> there in you Joshua go. Joshua tree. All right. We're done. See you guys next week. Oh boy, there we go.